Although edited for television, tonight's thriller contains scenes of suspense and violence which may be unsuitable for young viewers. Parental discretion is advised. State of the art Japanese animation. Hello, we're here on, uh, wait, what's our podcast oh called? Oh my god, what? <laughs> <laughs> Otaku Host Club. <laughs> and I am I am extra super de duper excited today because not only do we have the regular three of us, which is me, Dan, I'm eating my little pork, pork uh, curry right now, uh, and then we have Amelia. Hey, hey. And Jeffrey. Yellow. But we also have two of my very good friends, Sean and Jody. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Sean and Jody. Hi, Sean. Hi. Thanks for and coming it, on today. This is this is just so lovely. I've been looking forward to it. Thanks for having us. It's my first podcast. Yay. <laughs> Welcome. The christening. We could be your first. <laughs> Yeah, so Sean and I were roommates in college, and he briefly played in, in my old band, uh, Lotus Fucker. And then Sean went on to find great musical um, success on his own because he wound up playing drums for Integrity, which is way cooler than anything I've ever accomplished in my life. No. So he shakes his head, no, no. <laughs> no, having <laughs> Don't your own remind me. and putting out over 100 records, I think. Yeah, both of y'all are out, humble. But... <laughs> both of y'all have done some good stuff. Yeah. yeah, and not to mention having your own band and touring internationally, you know. Yeah, but you did, you did all that stuff too, and you played way cooler and bigger shows than I did. I've I've always been fascinated by by this brush with like the real the real music business, and and uh, you know, it's a it's a completely different experience than anything that I've ever had. Um, I, I feel like in, in my eyes, I could do a whole two hour podcast just talking about you know like what it means to uh, you know play in this band that has this this significantly higher level of of economy to it and level of of i don't know like formality is just so different than anything that i'm used to and i find it really interesting but uh, that's so tangential to actually talking about a gretzico so <laughs> indeed we won't indeed. dig into it one time steven tyler was in front of me at dallas airport <laughs> Yeah, yes. counts. That counts for something. Guy from- I thought it was Mick Jagger, though, so <laughs> would have been better. Yeah, wait, who's Steven Tyler? <laughs> Aerosmith. Yeah. Aerosmith. Yeah. Wait, then who's Mick Jagger? Rolling Stones. <laughs> they look very similar. They look I'll give exactly you alike. But- I got- they both I got had big lips. Used. Yeah. yeah. Really skinny. Mm-hmm. Tall. Oh, but only only one of them had a arcade first person shooter arcade game. Which one? Aerosmith, where you're like, you're instead of grenades, you shoot vinyl records. <laughs> I, used, I used to play it in Annapolis when I was a little kid. <laughs> Sounds fun. All I ever got was Area 51. I feel like that's all they had. Yeah. Area 51 is a classic, too. Yeah. It's hard. That game is fantastic. I want that yeah. game now. They need to remake that. So, what, so what, it, you, what is your experience with anime then? 
like what what uh what level are you guys are you describe yourself gaijin (laughs) 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 um that means foreigner it's like a derogatory word for a foreigner are you allowed to say that yeah we we cuss all over this place okay (laughs) oh uh <laughs> I went to Otakon a couple of times. Sean's and way more I hung out with Dan a lot, and my cousin is also a big anime fan. And I kind of osmos these things, but I'll check out an anime here and there. Like I watched uh, Death Note at the end of last year, up until when the guy died, and I was like, "Oh, spoiler!" Um, yes, I didn't say, seriously. I, didn't say who. I mean, there's a lot of guys in that show. But you, you know, if you've seen it, you probably know guy. what I'm talking about. <laughs> And I was like, so, this is, yeah. I was into the detailed, uh, you know, cakes and stuff. I was, you know, mm. there's some aesthetics that I dig in anime. And mm. I grew up watching like Dragon Ball and stuff. So. Cool. That's me. Yeah. Sean grew up with Pokemon and Inuyasha. Yeah, and- yeah. But I'm not like deep in the catacombs or anything. I don't read manga, etc. What's like the most recent anime that you've watched? Well, we just. Well, we're in the throes of, yeah. Well, we finished the, but we haven't done the final act of any Asha because Sean thought I should see it. So I'm like a, a pure novice. Like my experience was Shinchan and like, I don't know, Miyazaki, you know, stuff mm. that's like very basic. Um, and then, I don't know, Sean and I got into, we watched his little sister and Dan both, Sean's little sister and Dan both like recommended stuff. So we watched, um... Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Watch all the Pokemon. We're almost done in Yasha. We watch anything else? I mean, you guys were watching My Hero Academia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched that. Oh, yeah, we right. got to like four seasons of that, I think. Yeah. Or three. Nice. Okay. Right. So your so your your level is just rose about ten bars. Watching <laughs> yeah. My Hero Academia, man. That's especially if you got through all four seasons, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, with with that. Uh, there were some pretty big spoilers in the manga, which is ahead by a long, a long shot, right? I hope that grape baby goes. <laughs> Sorry. You don't like the grape baby? No, I, I do think- not like that grape baby. <laughs> the grape baby wasn't, like, super in season four, though. I know. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm a Froppy fan myself. Oh, I, I like, like Froppy, it. too. I love Froppy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like um, Ravity. Hmm. Which one's that? Uh, a basic the... one? <laughs> They're all pretty basic. Damn, man. <laughs> Damn, man. Okay, maybe maybe I just have a thing for basic bitches. Yeah. Right? I'm a basic guy. Is she the one I with like... the really big boobs? No. Oh, okay. She's no, Deku's girl. She's her her character design is attractive to me. Mm, okay. She is someone that I would want to hang out with in real life. Mm. I like earphone girl. Yeah, yeah I'd want to hang out. What with about her too. the guy? Who's the guy? See, I'm so bad at names. What's the guy who who shoots stuff out of his his belly button? <laughs> oh, and my he gosh. always goes, "My tummy hurts." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him. <laughs> Belly guy. Yeah, that guy kind of sucks. Yeah, he does. He's <laughs> like he's so just a lame. Joke. He's just like a running joke, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, Midoriya, I mean, it's kind of cornball. Oh yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think I like the one, the guy who everyone likes. The half fire, half ice guy. Oh, Todoroki. Yeah, Yeah, Todoroki. Yeah. I guess Midori is like, can be endearing because he's so earnest or whatever, but. Do you feel bad for saying no one likes Yeah, because. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's all right. You gotta. I'm a little harsh in my judgment. You gotta reverse. Take you gotta back. think, like, you know, what would I do if I had to. had no superpower He's... in a world of 80% people with superpowers and, you know, I had to come hair? up on my own and. Eat a hair and, gra- and grab some of your own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously, now that we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Aoyama was the guy's name. The laser butt, the the belly button. Laser. Oh, yeah, laser! Yeah, the laser butt. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would have been more. That would have been Maybe that's, better. My that's butt his hurts. next move. His next yeah, higher move like, is just shooting Shadow's ass when he levels up. <laughs> just like yeah. shit glitter. Ka man, like shoots a kamehameha away. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm, I feel genuinely bad in that show for. The uh, fellow that displaces himself into solid objects and then he loses his power in season four. Oh, I think it is. Just like, just like a straight up up spoiler. (laughs) 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 Well, he didn't use a name, at least. That's true. I just looked up Uravity or whatever it is. I remember she is, she is basic. Um, but she's the girl everyone loves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I am everyone. Yeah. You know, when we say everyone, that includes me. Yeah, it's true. Oh wait, is that Todoroki? Yeah, girlfriend. Well, they Not- like Deku, like each Deku. other. Deku's girlfriend. Yeah. 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 Deku. Yeah, but she's she's gonna end up with the bomb guy. No, Bob. Uh, uh, Bakugo. Bakugo. Yeah, Bakugo. That guy. Yeah, he needs. Um, an anger check. He needs an attitude adjustment. An attitude adjustment, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, so gravity is gonna hang, is gonna wind up with uh, this is this is the only couple in anime where I'm like this is what I'm I'm pining for. You know, <laughs> I've I've never never felt so invested in a coupling that is not hinted at in the show but it just intuitively makes so much sense to me. And maybe this just sits on my own, like weird fascination as we've discussed on this podcast with like, uh, it's like emotionally inappropriate sex, but I I'm convinced that Bakugo and Aravity, like this is, this is the coupling that makes sense. And Deku is just like weird NTR out of the picture. That's fine. <laughs> um, do you think, I mean, his personality is kind of like one dimensional. Like he's just a big fanboy that wants to like be the best. Um, where like Bakugo just like, is just. Ex- yeah, he's bursting with ambition. Yeah, and like some, know. some nice, kind, smart girl could just like, they could fall in love and like, you know, she could get a little more bad and he could get a little more good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, so shall we move yes. on to talking about the news? <laughs> yeah, the news. Uh-huh. Nothing really happened this week, so... Nothing of note. <laughs> no. Same old, Pretty same quiet. Old. Yeah, just same old COVID. Yeah, well, I had a busy week. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I was running around all day Monday and Tuesday putting up posters for a protest that I helped organize on Wednesday which was my first time being a protest marshal. So I got to wear a cool. little neon vest and run around into traffic and be like, hey, stop. 
there'd be protesters walking through here. Nice. Um, yeah, so that was cool. I always thought that the people in, in the vests were just so fucking cool. And <laughs> I always wondered, like, man, like, how do you get to be, like, so cool and so plugged in? Apparently, it's as easy as showing up half an hour early and Ginger just tosses me a vest and goes, hey, can you marshal? Thanks. I'm like, hell yeah, man. You're like, I'm I showing up be, early every I single time. I that cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm, I, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm doing it from now on. Are they on. cool enough they can make uh, an anime out of it? Protesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you could make an anime out of a protest. Someone, yeah. someone asked me at work if if they could, if they made a anime about an election, like hmm. just not necessarily a presidential election, yeah. but Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Well, yeah, and that's I suggested that. And there's the election I mean, arc in Hunter Hunter. Oh, yeah, that's true too. Uh, hmm. So if you haven't figured it out by now, uh, Biden won the election. <laughs> <laughs> If you were living under a rock. Yeah. Which, yeah. Or in the White House. Or that. Oh. He's playing golf. Sorry. He's playing golf. Yeah, I know. You know, he's, he, uh, I guess he's just, he's uh, in denial. He better get his, come up, his, uh, his uh, free time uh, in <laughs> right now. <laughs> his free play. He better be living it up. They have golf courses at, in jail. No, it's... <laughs> I'm sure yeah, his are, would have a golf course. Is there is there really going to be criminal prosecution for Trump? I think that's a pretty big. So question. I don't think there'll be federal, but New York State. I think that's where. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think that's where it, the best case lies. Hmm. I'd like to remain anonymous for that comment. <laughs> <laughs> do you? So do we think that? There will be no federal prosecution because the case is too flimsy, or because there will be some kind of, uh, like, I don't know, looking looking the other way for the sake of political unity in the way that Biden espouses. I think it will just. I think maybe not flimsy, but I don't think it's worth it. Word. Okay. I I don't know. That's just you know from all the lawyers I talk to. What they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't really given it much thought, but I I will say what what I've what I've really been reflecting on this week is the. Well, okay. Like my you know, my my biggest takeaway from from this uh, presidential election was not that Biden got the most votes ever, but that Trump got the second most votes yep. ever you know yep. that my sense that the kind of latent american electorate that just lurks in the background of of our politics you know my assumption and i think the assumption of a lot of people has always been that these people are you know relatively liberal but the democrats don't really speak to them or they're just too apathetic and disconnected and don't care and if only we had a more progressive voice that really spoke to working class individuals and addressed meaningful topics that they were into that all these people would just be galvanized into action and that fits with the kind of quote-unquote common sense of american politics that you know when there's large voter turnout democrats win because you know we just need to find leaders that will rally and energize people enough to get out and vote. Or leaders and that will key, rally people to vote against them. Sorry. Yeah. And and Republicans uh, 
only chance of victory is through you know constant gerrymandering and voter suppression because there's just not enough people that buy into this stuff but apparently that's not true apparently half the country is actually very into you know like religious fascism and authoritarianism and shit um and i really was not expecting that you know i i walked away or i went to sleep on tuesday night feeling like i no longer believe progressive politics are viable in the u.s and that doesn't necessarily mean i'm gonna stop fighting because i helped organize protests for wednesday and saturday nonetheless and you know there were 500 people out on the streets wednesday and a thousand people out on the streets on saturday so clearly the you know even in the face of a Biden victory that kind of sucks the wind out of any sense of needing to be out on the street and doing something, uh, people still are like, well, yeah, well, fuck Biden anyway, and like, fuck the system, and let's get out on the street and go yell about whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, I didn't realize that America sucked so much. I guess. I'm sorry, you just you know, realized that? Do you not remember <laughs> yeah. four years ago? <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I understand what you say, but my own sense, like I, I look at four years ago as being a reflection of the Democrats' failure to have a candidate that spoke to working class people. Like I see that more, not necessarily as Trump's victory as much as Clinton's defeat for being a, you know, both for being a bad candidate and for being a victim of bad circumstances with this like 20 years going Republican smear campaign that is just like not, you know, like appropriate, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Hillary Clinton. She's just like another fucking politician for better or for worse, you know? Um, but in this you know, in, in this month's um, presidential election, it's not clear to me that running a Bernie Sanders-style politician would have done categorically better for the Democrats. Like, Joe Biden oh, no. got literally the most votes ever in a presidential election. Made sure Bernie Sanders might have gotten a little more, he might have gotten a little less. I do not but think Bernie would have won. You, you can't really do better than the number one, you know? Like, I... I, so this was not a case where like oh the Democrats just like didn't resonate with people and you know I, I guess the argument could be made that oh Biden still didn't resonate with people but people were, you know there was just such a massive backlash against Trump and all these votes were votes against Trump more so than for Biden and yeah maybe that's true but I'm not convinced that that's true on the scale that kind of, so um, sorry oh, go ahead so I feel like. Because I have a lot of opinions about this. Um, that he did resonate, actually. I think he resonated with more moderates, with minorities, um, with older voters. And I think that's the unity between that and picking up a, a more progressive, younger, diverse candidate is for his VP is really what helped him. I do not think a woman could have beat Trump. I don't think our country is ready for that, unfortunately. And it's awesome that we have a VP now that's a woman, a woman of color. It's amazing. Um, but I think as much as Hillary, yes, was not the right candidate, I think if Bernie was a woman and he had run and gotten the thing, he wouldn't have beat Trump. Maybe Bernie as a man would have. Um, hmm. I, I, that's just my opinion. I don't think our country's quite ready for that yet. Um, I think a lot of people are. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I also think what this really shows is our country is just very divided politically. And I think 
a lot of it is fear, fear of the unknown, of the other for people, fear of what they're not exposed to, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and fear of change. They, mm. they really can be good if you're exposed to it, but it, it's still nerve wracking. So I don't know. That's my opinion. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed in our country for sure, but I'm, I mean, I'm very, you know, happy for our country, but also the division is, is there. And and not only is it there, but it shows how ingrained it is in terms of fear and like hatred. Well, uh, yeah, that's so. Division is the key word that I've really been reflecting on, and this is something that you and and many other people in my life have um, have uh, expressed that that this is a bad, you know, that oh, we're so divided. There must be some way that we can unify the country and stop viewing each other as is so adversarial and that you know we're we're all enemies pitted against each other but actually i feel exactly the opposite oh uh, i'm not saying um, we I, we have to unite i'm just saying cuz but i'm saying there's maybe there's some exposure that needs to happen some mm. some community organization some education some idea that the unknown and the other isn't as scary as you think it is and you've been told it is right yeah that makes sense. I personally, I've been. Th- I I feel like we need to lean more into the divisiveness and more into uh, the adversarialness. And I say that in the sense that what a lot of you know a lot of of what um, I think Biden says and what a lot of more moderate. Um, or slightly left-leaning people are, are saying is the way I interpret it is this idea that like, oh, you know, like all these Trump voters, they're not all racist and they're not all these like naughty individuals. We need to, you know, and that's something that, that is, is a categoric uh, resounding message out of right-wing politics is the idea that, oh, the left is always shunning us and looking down on us for being, you know, bigots and whatever, but, you know, we're not bad people. And it's like, yeah, you could be like a very friendly and polite individual that gets along just fine in their daily life, but oh, you can still be a bigot in that context, you know? Like, I, I view this in the sense that like, oh, you've hurt my, you know, right-wing people being like, oh, you've hurt my feelings by calling me a bigot just because I don't believe that gay people should have equal marriage rights. <laughs> you know, that doesn't make me a bad person. How could you call me a bad person just because I don't think gay people are like equal people? because everyone's doesn't get the same you know? rights. Like, yeah, you know, it's just like no, like I don't, I don't understand. Like, why, why are we curtailing to these people? Why should we like ex- extend the olive branch to be like, no, your your bigotry is totally acceptable. Oh, I don't think you know, we it's, would, it's totally anyone's okay. any saying is saying it's acceptable. I, 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 I feel like that's what a lot. I feel like that's what Joe Biden's saying personally, or at least that's the way that mm, I interpret I, his message. I think he's trying. And that's to the way I interpret the messaging of like my my dad and and other people in my life that say this stuff and and i feel like no the only the only way to deal with these kind of like yeah bigots and religious fundamentalists is pure political domination you know i i like literally don't care if they agree or disagree with stuff like abortion rights or or whatever like just fucking tell them that you know this is an issue of human rights and make the legislation and just dominate them through numbers you know like just get out to vote and try to dominate them through numbers and better organizing, I uh, I'm I'm not interested in this. Like, oh, we should 
bipartisan to like you know come to an agreement about abortion rights like no nah, that should just be a fucking law and we should just <laughs> you know tell these like pure political domination through bipartisanship that is what i advocate for now for better or for worse one extreme or the other huh yeah, well, you know, in my eyes, this isn't a matter of extremity. It's like this is a matter of, of common human decency and, and human empathy in comparison to religious fundamentalism that isn't willing, like, what what makes anybody think these people are willing to negotiate, you know? Like, how many one-issue one voters are there that voted so, for Trump purely so that they can try to repeal Roe versus Wade? So I don't, yes, there's there will always be those people, though. Those people will always exist, and they will always vote that way. And while... I, I agree with you, like, stack the court, you know, like, I hope we get the Senate, I hope we get, you know, I hope we have all everything, but I just, what I think Biden is saying, I interpret it more as, and I'm not saying he's a godsend, believe me, there are, you know, mm-hmm. that's not true at all, but um, I think he's more trying to say, let's remember, we're all people, and that, like, we should you know, I don't know. To me, it's more like, let's first remember we're people. Let's move on and try to rebuild this country. And then we can talk about politics and like the, the, the you know, how di- divided we are and, and, and argue. But in the end, unless we want to do, you know, Cal exit or the, the, the blue states go out and, and we divide. Um, that would never happen peaceably. Okay. Well, we're all, we're going to, regardless of how we are, we have to live with each other then in our politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to me, unless the electoral college goes, the Republicans will probably always have a say, unfortunately. Um, no, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but I just, I think, I think there is the one thing that is true for politics and has always been true is that there are people with different opinions and the only way for the best, for the best part of your, you know, to make the best decisions for your country is to compromise. You work you have backroom deals. You have backroom discussions. You give and take. Like that's how it works. You don't take mm. the extreme as a president and tell everyone else they can go fuck themselves and they're not your. You know he, they don't support you like we had last four years. You work together. What the world needs more of is anime. Stress <gasps> that will solve that true. the political dilemma. <laughs> So now Jeff has told us to shut up getting <laughs> back on top. So now we're talking about anime. So we all watched Agretsuko. So how how did we how did we each uh, come into Agretsuko? Like, what was our exposure to this prior to this episode of our podcast? I guess I'll I'll start. Agretsuko came onto my radar immediately uh, when it dropped on Netflix because a woman that I was involved with for a long time. Uh, blew up my phone about it and was like oh my god this is so totally me and and i find it just so relatable and amazing and actually every almost every woman in my life with a professional job regardless of their interest in anime or not has 
mentioned to me that they found this show immediately relatable and just so amazing and great and which i find very fascinating um and yeah so i watched it too watched the first season when it came out thought it was fucking amazing uh didn't really think about it afterwards until we i went back and watched the whole thing to record this okay so um i've i've known about about agretzko like since it dropped but um i have the unfortunate uh situation of having a hello kitty tattoo so everyone always tells me about sanrio stuff and um so everyone has always like has been like you gotta watch a gretzko if you like sanrio because like sanrio did it and i'm like yes but you guys don't understand i want to break away from my sanrio past (laughs) 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 so i didn't really watch i didn't like watch any of it until we were like okay let's do a podcast about it and um the third season dropped and everybody was talking about it and i was like okay well let me just watch it because like if i'm three seasons behind right now and everybody's gonna talk about it like i need to be up to date (laughs) so um watch all three seasons in almost one sitting over like two days (laughs) sorry that's great (laughs) Yeah, that's that's sort of my situation too. It's always been in the background because. Oh, you have a Hello Kitty tattoo too, Jeff? Wait. No, well, I don't say all that. But, uh, <laughs> I might have a tramp stamp. <laughs> no, that's not juicy like anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I, well, yeah, I guess Sanrio is sort of. You can't talk about the show without talking about Sanrio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like the antithesis of what Sanrio is. Hello Kitty cuteness, you know. It's a cute show, though. It is cute, but then it's just it's just hardcore at the end. <laughs> yeah, you know? especially the latest season, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just I I watched it this week in in its entirety, and it's not that hard to do considering that it you know all the episodes are under fifteen minutes. Yeah, Netflix skips the intro and the outro for you. Netflix, and it started as a as an online net series, original net series. I haven't watched that yet. Have you guys seen it? No, Mm -mm. no. They're only like a minute long. I think there's a hundred episodes. Oh, I would definitely not be about that. Oh my gosh, that's like (laughs) it's like a hundred commercials strung together. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like a TikTok or a Vine. Well, no, a lot of vignettes. Yeah. Vignettes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone. We came about it. How? I guess Aubrey, my sister, yeah, came Trump's over. Sister. And um, she's like, oh, you know, she's a big anime fan. She didn't come over. No, she was over in when we were in Hanover, yeah. No, it was when we were both living with our parents. Are you sure? Yes. I don't think so. I think so. I think it was. Anyway, regardless, my sister brought it to our attention and uh, kind of forgot about it for a while. And then. I started watching it right after I watched Death Note. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, Gretzko, I remember this. And I was taken in by it, and then Jody, I think, I was just watching it, and she got into it, like, you know. Right away. Second hand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then we just watched. There were two seasons out at that time, and we just crushed through them in, like, a day or two, just like you said. You know? And then the third one, we we watched in two and a half hours, which is what it was. Oh, yeah. It's just basically <laughs> like a movie came out. The day it came yeah. out, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I think should, I did it on the day it came out as well. I was like, okay, and ready. <laughs> they should yeah. release a movie, just an abridged version of all the episodes as a movie or something. You know? Yeah. They could do it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I could take three movies. Yeah, I think that'd be better. 
So, is there going to be a fourth season of Aggressico? Does anybody know? Uh, usually, was... anime like to uh, to tell you that there's going to be another season before the next season is even over. But unfortunately, because it's like a Netflix situation, you know, Netflix has got to get their ducks in a row before they release any of that info. Word. But because I I didn't feel like season three ended, or rather, I, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to conclude from the end of season three that. Um, Haida and Retsuko are now in a relationship and oh, all is well. So. And oh, you don't yeah, think no. so? Uh-uh. Okay. Uh, so, Gretsuko is the story of a, a mid 20s young woman, a salary woman, working at a stuffy accounting office with her variety of um, yeah, varying degrees of, of annoying to reasonable good friend co-workers and her kind of stereotypical misogynistic old school boss and Agretico is very much stuck in the kind of existential despair of what it means to be a middle of the road professional worker without uh, great wealth or interests and just kind of uh, I don't know treading, treading water through life and she f- kind of takes all of this existential angst and despair and uh, her outlet or her, you know, her hobby, her expression is to do death metal karaoke at a specific karaoke bar. She's secretly a big metalhead and just lets it all out in private um, as she develops her, her death voice, as she calls it. And in season one, she finds a variety of different ways that she thinks will help her escape this kind of existential despair of professional life, whether that is finding a boyfriend and getting married and quitting her job so she can become a housewife and find happiness and this kind of familial stability. But that doesn't pan out for her because she realizes that it's actually quite a bit more complicated to find someone that you have a good connection with and find someone that um, it practically works, you know, as a relationship. And she flirts with the idea of quitting to work at a small um, imported goods store with her old friend. But she kind of realizes as well that like, oh, this is also unrealistic. Like there's no way that that will give enough income that I can survive comfortably. It's just too risky. And it, you know, it's a slapdash idea and I'm not a slapdash kind of person. Um, so we end season one with Retsuko still kind of struggling to find a, I don't know, like a better path forward to escape the kind of existential despair that, that she's stuck in. And that, would take us into season but two. But she does meet two new good friends in season one mm-hmm. while doing yoga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's an important point too, you know, that she looks at the... So there's two particular women in her office, um, the directing or the marketing director and the secretary of the CEO who 
yeah, are kind of Retiko's role models, right? She sees them in the hallway and she's like, damn, look at these bad bitches, you know. Like they really <laughs> they have their stat. shit figured out, yeah, you know, they're they're, they're Yeah, they're yeah. in their heels, like stomping. <laughs> I love their music. Yeah. So good. So good. It's a very I, mean yeah. girls moment, you know, when they bust through that yeah, hallway. Yeah. No, those are two women who definitely <laughs> have their act together. Look at them. Gory's a big week for marketing, and Washimi's the president's secretary. They got this place all figured out. And starts doing yoga, and it turns out to be the same yoga studio that these two high-powered women from her company also do yoga. So they wind up becoming friends, and Retsuko kind of learns that, oh, even these you know extremely successful, um, high-powered, mature women also have their own insecurities and their own problems. And they're not exactly stuck in the same existential despair, but... They have their own twist on these feelings as well, mm. and that this this kind of yeah this style of existential despair is not necessarily stuck unique. or not necessarily yeah unique. It's not unique. It's not unique to uh, her life or her specific uh, job. It's just like all people go through this and adapt in different ways. Protein. Oh. <laughs> protein, no. protein. Yeah, that 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 was the one. I don't the, like the yoga him. Instru- yeah, the yoga instructor that just keeps saying protein was the one <laughs> part of the show that like just kind of it irked me. Like, what the fuck is it? Like, why? That was, just, there's nothing else about this show that's unrealistic. That was the about supernatural them, except this guy. It, I think that the was idea, the supernatural element I to think, that season was like. <laughs> this guy had psychic powers that he could you know project oh, yeah, like, a karaoke true. song number into the. People's minds yeah, or something uh, that, astrally that, is amazing, really. That didn't even strike me as being unrealistic. It was the, <laughs> the fact that this guy only says protein is what think, was like, what the fuck? I think the idea was like, and I have no idea, my assumption was, is that they were like, here's like a, a you know, guy who's all only obsessed with his body, so all he does is like think about eating protein and working out. So to me, it was like, oh, you're going to have like these characters that just are like one-dimensional and like have their one thing but yeah like, fulfill that role in the office exactly but it was kind of thing little thing protein 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 yeah is he a rex cat i think that's what he is maybe some sort what? of like a uh, a hairless cat is he? I think it's weird. Interesting. He didn't look like that cat. character from uh, Beastars or uh, BNA, though. Hmm. Hmm. I mean. Yeah, well, that's something to say about the character designs, because everyone's, for the most part, is recognizable. Yeah, I mean, that's classic Sanrio, you know? Like, mm. they, like, really push the, um, the cuteness and while still keeping like each character like kind of like similar, kangaroo apparently. Oh, it's a kangaroo. He was a kangaroo. That's what it says. I mean, I guess oh. I get that. You know, kangaroos are beefy. Yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. I, that was. I also assumed he was some kind of cat. Mm-hmm. I did not get the sense of kangaroo mm-hmm. from him. Um, Gory is a gorilla. Mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washimi is. Some kind of pelican or something. Do you guys <laughs> secretary bird? Oh, 
Oh, no. She's a secretary bird. Do you guys do a thing where you're like, who's your favorite character? Should we do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What's your oh, favorite yeah. character? I mean, it's one of them, or both of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what made me think Couldn't of it. Couldn't wait to get that out. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I have different char- favorite characters for each, ep- for each like, season, though. I get that. Yeah. So, like, the first season, I really loved Fenico. Oh, yeah. She yeah, loved. I also really liked Fenico. Oh, man. I, I love her laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's... That was it. That's your favorite, too, though. Too. That is the laugh. <laughs> oh, my Fenico. gosh. love Fenico. Yeah, I would... On the one hand, I recognize that <clears throat> if I were to meet Fenico in real life, in the sense that, like someone that was always lurking on social media and just like commentating on other people's <laughs> lives, I would probably find that really obnoxious and bad. But actually like I would hang out with her. She seemed pretty fucking <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, Dan equates every character to like if he likes them enough, he'll hang out with them. That's yeah. how that's how you know they're a good character. I kinda Oh yeah, me and me and Fenico would hang out. We would be on our social media game. I'd be like, yo, look what this person posted. You <laughs> <laughs> What's the hippo's name? I don't remember. Oh, Kabe. Kaiba. Kaiba or something. Kaiba. something. Ka- I hate her. That's, that sounds <laughs> like Shin so Chan. It sounds exactly like really? the Shin Chan. I, Sean pointed that out. Like, literally. The, ah. So let's oh clarify here. Did you? Did everyone watch the dub? or? Did uh, I've watched both. Sub. I've watched, watched both. But okay. in both, in both dubbings, the Japanese and the English, Kabe's so annoying i hate it i hate it so much really? i love how I her like ears her. are like she's like i hated her too but then i like grew oh. to love her mm. i really liked that uh we'll talk about it in the second season okay. but yeah, she like i'm she, she's fine but like oh her voice man i just can't <laughs> you know what to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I liked the hippo woman. Uh, I thought she was cool. I mean, I again like. Uh, would you hang out with her? She I, wouldn't. I, you wouldn't hang out with her in real life though, because she would yeah. just talk your ear off. Yes, as a, I have friends that talk my in ear real off. Life, I, I she often would talk other people's ears. Yeah, off, but she's too. the she's like the office gossip yeah. in real life. Yeah, that that part is yeah very unacceptable. Like a real me. life yeah. gossip, like literally, is just like what what? Are, but what did you do this weekend? Huh? <laughs> Give me the goods. I want to know gossip. <laughs> So, as we talk about the characters we hate, did, did everyone hate Tom? No way. Uh, yeah. I Wait, love Tom? Tom. I mean, he's like a yeah, misogynist Tom. asshole, but like, yeah. he's well done. You know he's I mean? well done, and in season three, he kind of like... Yeah, and he cares about Rich. Bro. I don't know. With his little daughters, and they're like... <laughs> yeah. He's just sticking the mud I find, it, I find it odd that he has like daughters and then still treats like... I know. No, it's true. Though. But he, you know, his, he, yeah. he, his daughters to him... Although, he shouldn't see it as like, oh, I have daughters, so I should treat all women. He should just treat all women that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but like, more so yeah. because you have yes. daughters. But yeah. I assume yeah. there's a, you know, dissociate or whatever, you know. They're yeah. not the yeah. same. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked Ton, and I get that he is, yeah, this misogynist... Pig. Awful guy. What about his little yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's meerkat pig. like yeah, guy? Male pig. He's a weasel. Oh, apparently. he's a weasel. That makes sense. Sorry. Right. Yeah, okay. uh, weasel guy. Yeah, I vibe with <laughs> him. I wouldn't hang out with him, but this is a reasonable. I, I get, I get the idea of like just being the slimy number two. You know, yeah. just like you know, 
hanging on hanging on your boss swinging from your boss's nuts to get by in life you know that's whatever um the yeah our our male pig boss on the one hand they didn't really try to hold back on that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah the show is very on the nose in that way Mm -hmm. and he won me over or rather like I don't want to excuse away his misogyny, but I appreciate his sense of old schoolness. Like I understand his sense that like, Oh, he like devalues young employees because they haven't shown their dedication to the company and the company is number one, you know, and he wants everyone to prove their loyalty to the work. And on the one hand, like, fuck no, I ain't doing that, man. Like that, Ain't nobody. Oh, that's not a reasonable way to live your life. But I understand how that old school attitude, you know, is is ingrained in a lot of people, and and uh, that's just you know the way their their value structure and whatnot. You and oh. you think he would have oh, voted for Trump or Biden? I was gonna say he's the Trump supporter in the office. Yeah, he's a Trumper he's all the Trumper. way. Uh, you know, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you say it like that, I I imagine him to be voting for Trump because of taxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. one thing I like about Tone, and you know, obviously, like you were saying, Dan, he's not perfect in any way, but he's obviously very good at his job. Like they show him at the abacus, like whizzing through, you know. He's an old school yeah, guy even, that never grew and he yeah. never evolved to keep up with the modern so, times. And that, I guess that is the, sorry to interrupt you. That is the angle by which I have a lot of sympathy for him because I have recognized that I will be that guy in my workplace yeah. as well. And and part of my, my narrative of that is that I have a, a supervisor as it were, that is uh, known within our office to not be particularly good. And I, understand that i am i work with him all the like i work with him closely and i understand that my boss set it up this way because i am particularly good at my job so counterbalances each other and i wind up helping helping this guy with a lot of of kind of common everyday tasks at work that he doesn't always have a handle on Um, and i bail him out of situations uh, when he needs it and at first, I was like, oh, you know, come on, man, like, get your shit together. But as time has gone on, I understand so much better now that we've had a couple lunches and actually hung out and whatnot. Like, man, like, this guy is me in the future, right? Like, just a guy going through his daily life with his nice job. And he's been at, at CES State and Area longer than anybody else. You know, he's been there or really before since before we had a, you know the web portal that we use since before we had any of the tools and all this stuff in a relative sense is still fucking new for him you know and he's a he's a you know fully realized actualized guy he's got his family he's got his hobbies he's like into sports he's on the neighborhood board he like does all this other stuff and his, you know this p- particular job is just one little part of his life and it's like, yeah, that that's that's great, you know. That's like the way that I think people should live their lives. So why exactly am I frowning upon this guy for not, you know, being as dedicated to his job to keep up with all the n- latest newfangled things? I mean, fuck that, man. I hope that my life turns out to be nearly as full and interesting as this guy's life. Um, so now I, I'm I'm more than happy. I'm I'm excited to help this guy out because it feels like I'm helping out uh, a version of of my own future that I hope that I wind up Future with. Dan. But you should still probably start learning things that are 
<laughs> all right. Well, all the, sorry. Well, what I was trying to say earlier was basically that, like, you know, he's very good at his job, and he clearly has a big influence on Retsko and her decisions and her motivations. You know, like we see at the end of season one that she, you know, realizes that, you know, she wants to dedicate herself to her work, as menial as that may seem. Sometimes she realizes that she is an accountant, and like I feel like she wouldn't be that way if it weren't for Tone's influence, you know? And he kind of treats her like a protege in a way because he recognizes her talent and, you know, he takes her under his wing. You think his hard love is really... Maybe he's a little hurt and wants to, like, show her that she can do more? Yeah, I think he has faith in her and he's just like, you know, Hmm. this is the way that I show... Or that I... It's like Dan said, you know, he's breaking her in and showing her that, you know, you got to prove yourself first and company comes first and this is what it's all about we're here to work (laughs) that's just how he takes it that's why i like tom yeah but she is doing work and there's that one woman who like that whale or what is she uh, no i'm not saying he treats her right or the the kimono dragon woman. that lady sucks yeah yeah Yeah, what about the deer what about the deer oh she's so cute sonoda yeah i couldn't think of her name so cutesy yeah we'll get to anai later but oh yeah Yeah, anai's terrible you want to get into season two no wait wait wait. sean and i there's a part of season one that we love the most okay we're not Uh gonna sing it but um (laughs) we really hate love space cadet Space Cadet was the funniest part of this. Oh, of course. Yeah. Or I guess in the Japanese version, I don't know what they call him. I think it's something different. Oh, yeah. He's the other... Oh, the boyfriend. Yeah, Red Panda. Mm. Who drinks all the canned coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So do you... So would you rank that guy higher or lower than Haida? Oh, man. Like in terms of lower, like a prospect or just as a person that you'd want to hang out? Are we going by the dance scale? Both are lower. Sorry. I would hang out with Space Cadet over Hyda, I think. He walks through a really? fight because he know, doesn't actually. even know where he's You're going. Right, yeah. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd hang out with Hyda, but like, Space Cadet's yeah, shit. He would like, crack me up. He doesn't even <laughs> eat. Like I couldn't go out with you. Like We need to eat. Like, he just all chugs about that the food. coffee. Chugs the no, coffee. Fine. <laughs> when they're on their yeah, there's, there's a scene where they're out drinking. Is it the, is it, I guess it's the, the singles yeah, night. Yeah, that's where they meet. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, so instead of having actual alcoholic drinks, he's drinking these like, drink, coffee drinks instead. They're going and, one for uh, one, beer for can coffee. One for one, yeah. That's, <laughs> and he's always the same amount of just being a drone. You know, yeah. the same level of just... Uh, monotone, no emotion, monotone. doesn't know what's Complacency, going on. Complacency, yeah. doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Kind of out of it in a place. Yeah. Retsuko really views him with rose-colored yeah, glasses like, for, for, a for a minute. Yeah. I don't understand she realizes. why. Well, I think because he gave her attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, um, I feel like she's a character that uh, wants, a, wants a lot of attention, but like won't like seek it out. So then when she actually does get it, she's like, wow, actually this person like pays attention to mm-hmm. me. Like, let me, let me like engage. Yeah. Cause like Haida, Haida basically just like lets her be her and do her thing. Yeah. And then like, yeah, he's sometimes like, do you want to get a beer at the wrong time. Oh, is like, you want to get a beer? And she's like, nah, he's, <laughs> he's like, like, okay, he's me like either. And he's like, all right. Trying, like yeah. just getting up the courage to go ask her for a beer. Yeah. Like, uh, want to get a beer? Maybe. She's like, like not tonight. And he's like, yeah, me either. I don't want to do that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, Instead of being <laughs> like, oh, well, maybe next week, or mm-hmm. maybe like not a beer. Maybe we mm-hmm. go cook dinner. You know? <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert: They break up. Yes, but our favorite thing is, and we will not do it here because Sean doesn't want to. Um, <laughs> is sometimes we because Sean, I love him, but he can be a space cadet sometimes, and he's also an accountant. Um, so it's a little oh. different, but we'll sing that song uh, that they sing when they're on the at the amusement oh, park. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. That's cool. We like try to harmonize real well, but like. Anyway. Uh, despite having played in bands, I don't know how to harmonize. I wish I did, because it sounds really cool. But. Yeah, we, we don't succeed at harmonizing, but we try. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Uh, you want to give us a little sample? Nah, he doesn't. Okay. <laughs> right. okay. But we'll work up to it. Okay. Yeah. Maybe next time. Uh, so how does season two start? Uh, you meet her mom, right? Retsuko's mom. Oh man, the most season arguably the most, a, most uh, annoying character. She's not in one. She's not in season mm-hmm. one. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like the oh, the the things in season two, the things that like the big things in season two is that Retsuko's mom comes into play, and. Her mom literally likes to take over her life and tell her what she's going to do. So in in doing that, she sets her up on all these dates. So season two is all about, like, Retsuko finding, like, an actual and a person that she might actually, like, want to marry or whatever. And in doing that, um, a lot of things happen at work because of that. And, you know, we get introduced to Anai, which is, like, the new hire. And uh, he stirs some stuff up in the workplace. And, um, you know, Retsuko, then her her secret kind of gets let out a bit in season two. But there's so more. How we, how, we feel, how, how we feel about Anai. Fucking hate. Oh, but then he gets good. <laughs> Not really. No. He likes cooking. Yeah, I get that they try to. I wouldn't say that he necessarily gets good as much as he becomes more well rounded. You know? <laughs> nice. But uh, to me, Anai is representative of a lot parts of. I don't know what it. Not exactly youth, current youth culture, but just like the way. Current youth in the, the workplace, maybe. Yeah, well, I and I would even say that that his style of yeah passive aggressive like I don't know making mountains out of molehills is is not limited to just the professional workplace. I feel like people like I feel like young people do this in ways that were not nearly as commonplace when I was young, and maybe that is yeah. not true, and I'm just no, misremembering right. my youth or something. But yeah, I'm I I I felt like an I was representative of everything that I don't like about I don't know the way our culture has evolved in the last ten years. Yeah, there's an extra sensitivity that there like an entitlement to an extra sensitivity, and I'm not trying to say in any way that if people feel uncomfortable with how people treat them, that they should not speak up. But there's a I'm a delicate flower. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. A lot of exactly. people are delicate flowers. 
Yeah. Well, he 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 uh, expresses it through texting, right, and uh, email. Email. So he he will not. He's not con- confrontational. I think that's worse. Oh yeah, it's way worse. With with it, yeah. And I have coworkers that are just out of school that I've worked with. I work at a print shop, um, and yeah, there's this sort of, um, you know, it could be the smallest quote unquote, I wouldn't even call it a microaggression, but it's what they would consider it a microaggression. Mm-hmm. And like, I've, we've had like three or four people just quit because they weren't able to, I guess, articulate, you know, to, to that person, to our boss or higher up, which my boss can be like Tone. And he's, you know, he's a hard ass and he's a Vietnam vet and just kind of like, you need to come to work no matter what, you know, I don't care what your problem is, just be at work and get the job done. Um, and they just don't jive. I also <laughs> you know? think you're right, that people need to be willing, and it's hard, I get it, it's, it's intimidating, but, and maybe it's a more of a younger generation that's not as exposed to interacting always like on the phone or face to face as much in terms of how they feel and their opinions, you know, like about mm-hmm. things that they really care about. So, but it, but it's much harder to get an emotion through if it's text than if you go and talk and, you know, and then I think like, yeah, if someone's not understanding them, fuck them, leave, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- this is something that I, talked about with my friend Geraldo along the way the idea that with the predominance of social media it has just become so acceptable to rather than try to work through conflict or find empathy and and strive for understanding now it is so much more not only acceptable but commonplace to just like write people off immediately and just like if somebody offends you in some way or somebody hurts you in some way you just kind of are like yeah whatever fuck this guy and can't, you know delete them off your facebook and move on with your life and it becomes much more difficult like you never gain any you know skills in communicating and skills in uh resolving conflict through that yeah. you know like it, it so dan you know, I, and, I don't want to like call you out because I would email you about this if I was younger. <laughs> but I feel like that's a good analogy to the state of our nation right now, which you said. <laughs> you s- yes, I am aware of what I said. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how this remains okay. consistent in my own mind. Because uh, when, I, when I think of these kinds of divisions, I think... I guess I, I kind of break this into a top side, like, you know, legislation and, and, you know, heavy handed politics versus a micro level, you know, individual interaction. And in the same way, this this plays out with my sense of, of the police. And I think about this a lot. And so far, I was like, yeah, of course, fuck the police, fuck 12 and, and you know, ACAB, all cops are bastards. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Sure. I, I believe all that stuff. But also, I would never be rude to just some random cop on the street or like be argumentative to whatever random police I was interacting with because they're just some individual person, right? And I have no idea what their background is or like who this person is and and what their life is like, what their actions are like, you know, I'm just interacting with them in this this split microsecond. And and so I think that I, I think the way that we interact with people on an individual level 
you know, we should be able to give each other the benefit of the doubt and find ways to get along with each other in a practical sense. But and we can do this while still maintaining these kind of top level senses of like, oh, okay, like all these re- religious fundamentalists are, you know, fucking assholes and I hate them. But also, like, you know, somebody's grandma, and if, if I see them in the grocery store, it's not like I'm going to slap them in the face for voting Trump or whatever. Like, just we can have normal everyday interactions and, and get along with ourselves. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, that that's that's how I, I I see this as like yeah two two different no, levels of, of thinking about people and interacting. But with I think people. there could be a compromise between community organization and like get grassroots campaign where people work together and can get to a more macro level. Anyway, we can go back to anime. Yes, that might be true. <laughs> Sean's tapping me like shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so in the plot, um, what else happened? So Washimi and Gori are upset. Oh, they that, fight. They fight yeah, in this they get season. A huge fight. Oh, we love that part. <gasps> oh, that's yeah, a they best get, song. Get a, Not your they place. They get a huge fight. <laughs> <laughs> Over their views on marriage, which I think is yeah. really interesting. This the show is yeah, somehow the show is like about the workplace, but also about like marriage and the future of you know people's lives which i think is like crazy yeah somehow we haven't talked about the tech mogul wait he's not not yet he's not yet he's the he's not yet okay. where he's the okay. sweet he's the, the sweet spot at now. the end yeah they're like, like yeah. okay sorry you know northern um hanshu at an onsen or something <laughs> yeah yeah the uh I guess the the push and pull of the necessity of of a traditional sense of marriage and and family versus you know whether that's an empty societal expectation uh, is a surprisingly predominant theme throughout Agretsuko. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a big theme in they... Japan, right? Well, yeah, that could be true too. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the Japanese like very much want people to grow up and get married and yeah. have kids. I feel like it's it's very much not the norm to not have kids. So I think it's cool that uh, Agretzko is, like, dealing with people who also don't want to grow up and have, like, the traditional, like, wedding and marriage and life like that. No, I agree. I mean, I know, and I, and, and, and I think things are changing, but, like, before, you know, a lot of Japanese um, people would live with their parents till they got married, and they had these things called like mm-hmm. love hotels or whatever, where you go, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, go yeah, and like try it out overnight and stuff. So it's what they're doing is less traditional. Mm-hmm. Are are you are all of you guys going to get married? Uh, I'm the only one that's not in a stable long term relationship here. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. <laughs> what, what are your guys' yeah. situations? You don't have to tell me. Um, so we, but I'm nosy. So no, we're in long-term relationships, but you know we haven't how long gotten married yet? Four about four years, and then Amelia is what ten plus? Okay, well we're over. We're almost eight and a half, <laughs> thirteen years. Okay, we're eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay, I always thought of it as like just a formality, really. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry, we don't have to get into this. Amelia. <laughs> okay, I didn't. I didn't really mean to open this can of worms. I feel like Amelia's got steam. Yeah, I do. Here, so. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, it's okay. It's I, okay. <laughs> I was just curious where we were all going to land on the uh, on the Gory versus Washimi um, argument here. Uh, on that argument, uh, I don't know. I feel like if you're Personally, if you're with a person that you want to be with forever, and you know that, and like that's what you want to do, then go for it, you know. But like if you don't, then you know you don't. Right? Who gives a shit? Y'all can do do what yeah. you want. I, it just really depends on like the person, and if that's something that you want to do, and if you want to do as your couple, and if your couple wants to do it, and then that's cool. I have a story. Yeah. So I asked Sean. I think it was like four or five years into dating. I said I first started working for the federal government and I had forgotten to get dental insurance and it was like February <laughs> and I was like, Oh shit. I was like, you need a life changing event to get dental insurance. So I was like, Sean, will you marry me so I can get dental insurance? And he said, that's not a reason to get married. And I said, and I insurance. <laughs> he still said no. <laughs> I said, we're not getting over married, married over any, Insurance. I thought it was a really good reason, Policy. but and it's funny because yeah. I'm the one that's always like not. I'm just very you know lazy about it. I guess you could say, and I'm just like, ah, yeah, it'll happen. Like it's just a given in my. It will mind. be brought but to like, us. Yeah, it's just like you know we'll get to it. <laughs> when but they hand deliver it, insurance. come on now. That's what? Cheap in I think that's a great reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna side with Thank Julie you. on this. I also think that's a reasonable Thank reason. Thank you. But now we both have insurance, yeah. so I guess we're yeah. So stay. I waited, and then November came, and I was like, "It's open season. We will not be getting married now." <laughs> Offer rescinded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's eventually what uh, leads to the breakup of the next relationship with Retsuko. Um But first, she Retsuko is in. Um, what what they would consider the MVA of Japan, right? She's trying to get her license, and then he meet she meets Tadano, um, and oh, Jeffrey, go feed your cat. So cute. They are very hungry. <laughs> Come here. Come here. Come here, cats. <laughs> they respond to that. That's awesome. I'm just nah, see them coming. <laughs> <laughs> So, but let's so let's let's talk about Tadano, our tech mogul, which you guys seem to like a lot. Oh, he's a sweet boy. I love him. He's honest. He's upfront. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan mm-hmm. of him at first for some reason. I don't know why. That's like maybe because I was kind of a Hida fanboy in the beginning. Mm. I was like mm-hmm. was rooting for that relationship to pan out, and then I saw him as like, oh. He's definitely better. way better than I. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a cool. He's a, he, I'd hang out with him. In his, I really in his limo. Sorry. <laughs> I really appreciated the way that their relationship ended mm-hmm. because it ended on good terms, and it ended in a, it ended in a way that I, I think was not the most dramatic and thus made it more realistic when you are dating someone and you get along just fine but you just have 
irreconcilable visions of the future. So you just kind of mutually part ways. And yeah, that has happened to me plenty of times in my life as well. And I'm still friends with all these people, you know, because I like them and value them as people. It's just that we want different things out of our lives going forward. Yeah. You know, whether they want kids and families or not. Um, yeah. So I'd, I thought that was extremely wholesome. It was good. It. it was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like an Elon Musk type Definitely inspired yeah. by him, but I don't picture Elon Musk to be that chill. I see, I see him more as a young startup guy, like some app starter, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Like, Elon Musk to me is too old. I no. know that sounds mean. <laughs> but either, I mean, he was a billionaire, and he had, like... You know. Yeah, I, and he was, you know, like... Quirky and weird. He's more of a tech mogul guy. Yeah, that's why. That's the only reason why. It was because he was always on his computer, you know, like. Mm-hmm. So I saw him as like. Is he more of a Bill Gates? <laughs> no. I would say more like like <laughs> the guy who did Instagram or the guy who did. Well, I don't want to. Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. 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 Zuckerberg. Or like Snapchat, even okay. though he's younger than me. So. <clears throat> I don't have Snapchat because of No. Um. Anyways, I just think I see him as a younger, yeah, like, app developer. Hmm. He's just cool. Yeah, he's fine. He lives lives out of his limo and flies, yeah. his, he flies his, a jet, yet he can't drive a car. Yeah. Yeah. He want to put his uh, guy out of work. Remember? <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a big proponent of universal basic. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had mm-hmm. that schnauzer guy, like, as his driver. Right? <laughs> it's a Japanese name. I can't. I guess they're all Japanese names, but like, sorry. But it sound like it yeah. wasn't like a, in reference to an animal, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Haida yeah. is hyena. You know what I mean? Yeah, Fenico yeah. is fennec fox. Like, yeah, they. I guess they, they just had like a regular ass name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... Yeah, in the story, they. Tadano has this car that drives itself, yet he continues to employ a driver for the appearance of, you know, having a normal ass car because having a self driving car is such a rarity and he doesn't want anybody to get all excited and freaked out by it. But then he started thinking, well, maybe I should learn how to drive so that I can relieve my driver of his, um, you know, kind of meaningless task that eats up a lot of his time and he can live a better and more fulfilling life by having more free time to do with what he pleases. And I'll just keep paying him anyway, cause I can, and cause it'd be cool. Um, and he, then he goes on a little monologue about how universal basic income and automation is the way of the future. And, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, something I think about a lot is, you know, with increased automation and, you know, improved systems like the supply chain and stuff is improving all the time. It just cuts out the need for a lot of factory workers or shippers and handlers, you know, that kind of thing. So what are those jobs going to be replaced with? I, and I think people fear it a lot. It's like, oh, automation's bad. But, I mean, you're going to need people to maintain those services and those systems. You know, There was a so. thing I heard on NPR, and this was like three years ago, or someone did a thing where they went across country the one time and they said their whole goal was to not interact with a person at all, to only interact with, like, robotic or machines, you know? Nice. And then they did it a second time and only interacted with people, never interacted with, like, a machine or a robot. Mm. And they sort of concluded that almost 
all jobs can be replaced by machines, except there are some, I think they discovered that like, like a therapist or, you know, like a, mm-hmm. like a counselor, um, things like that, that sort of take thought and, and which may eventually could be, but it, it was a really interesting sort of, you know, view into the world of what, what we do. Yeah, and I, I think as as we think about what does a future look like when all these jobs are automated, and Sean, as you describe, like what what do these people do? How are these jobs replaced? I mean, I, I think the answer to that is that they're all replaced by creative expression, yeah. right? Like suddenly, you know, like all the suddenly nobody has a proper constructive job because all that stuff is automated. So everybody's got a podcast, everybody's got a band everybody's into woodworking or leatherworking or whatever, you know, or like there's 50,000 people, you know, out hiking now, you know, uh, we're just left with all the time in the world to express ourselves. And yeah, I, I, I think that's better. I think that is more interesting. Yeah. Where no one complained there. when they reduced the work week to 40 hours, you know, there's also the mm-hmm. idea behind that they talked about where there's, there needs to be somewhat of a disin not a disincentive, but like a, a fairness in people automating their systems where like right now, if you have workers, you're taxed on them. But if you just have systems and robots, you're not. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that that is an angle that I've read about and just completely forgot about until you mentioned, but that, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good point. Anyway, sorry. I don't know if, if if this is all thought about in a Gretzko or not. <laughs> I mean, they, hmm. as far as this, that supercomputer that he yeah. creates, I guess it's sort of like a Siri, uh, Alexa type mm-hmm. computer they can talk to. Mm-hmm. And I guess that is direct direction we're headed. Yeah. Um, maybe there'll be a spinoff where there's a apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic sort of Gretzko. <laughs> And this computer controls everyone. <laughs> yeah, when like when West you say World. it like that, when you say it like that, there could be a Tadano spinoff. I mean, we all like this yeah. character enough, and he has enough yeah. possibility, you know, with his journey in Agretzico. He could have a totally reasonable spinoff show that's just about him trying to launch his company. The mm-hmm. only thing I didn't like about him was his song with with Retzi was not as good as the Space Cadets. That was the <laughs> only <laughs> thing. <laughs> Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Don't waste your time. I'd be dreaming like a kid would do. That's what my mom says. Sounds about right. You won't be young forever. It's time to start acting your age. You see that, huh? Ah, what did they know? It was alright. It was good. It was good, but I like the sequence. You know, they're flying in the air. Yeah. But the song, I was like so ready for that song. Exactly. Good. And then it was just a wet <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> We had also been harmonizing for like a half an hour on, over the other one before that happened, so. <laughs> yeah, and then they, so their relationship is, like I said, it's, it ends well, mm-hmm. but they just, one person wants kids and the family, another one is, uh, she, Tadano basically offers Retsi, Retsuko, um, you know, you can basically, you can live with me, quit your job, you can travel with me, and just do whatever you want. And we'll be together forever. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think I did. I think I didn't like that that part about him. I'm like, you, this this girl has goals. You don't even know what her goals are yet, <laughs> and you're already being like, yeah, you can quit your goal in life and just like you know bum it with me and like yeah, yeah. I'll take care you of just, you. I'm like, yeah, dude, ah, mm, no, I got some goals too. Okay. <laughs> I I I do I do understand and agree with what you're saying, Amelia. But I I think in this particular instance, does Gretzko does Retsuko really? have the kind of long-term goals that you're speaking to well in this season she realizes that she actually likes her job and that she wants to continue doing it and she wants to be the best i do think she realizes that from him sort of saying that though Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she's having like that existential Mm -hmm. crisis yeah he asks her yeah do you really care about this or does he ask her is she just like do i he doesn't he tells her that's that's what tells her that she doesn't he mansplains to her yeah he's just like see you don't care about this job so just quit come live with me it's like he just assumes that Mm-hmm. But that does push mm, her to discover. Yeah. She does care about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is this is where our our male pig yeah, comes in. Exactly, Mister Mister Ton kind of uh, points her or helps her come to that realization. And I I thought that was, um, his his little speech to Retsuko about how you know people like you and me are just boring people living boring lives, and we got to fill it up with mundane stuff to keep going and guys like this tech mogul are just you know they're they're cut from a different cloth with their big ambitions and big goals and whatnot and and they can they're you know they're just self-fulfilled because they have purpose but you know not everyone has purpose and i yeah that uh i don't know i in some ways i recognize that that's true but in other ways uh maybe it's because i feel like my life has had purpose for a long time because of my little record label thing and that really keeps me going in a lot of ways um but i yeah i don't i don't feel like that's an issue of being cut from a different cloth per se i feel like that's more an issue of uh i don't know like self-understanding and and trying to um i don't know like i feel like everyone everyone has that that feeling lurking inside of them somewhere and i think our society and and this is reflected in agretsuko that our society just kind of beats that drive out of you and beats that purpose out of you over and over again by telling you know just kind of telling people at every turn like oh it's not you know not realistic to be creative it's not realistic to follow your dreams it's not realistic to succeed you know it's only the the you know lucky fortunate few that are able to succeed in in any particular thing um and in some ways i think that's true but in other ways I don't think that's true. Well, I think, I think we're everyone has su- that possibility. Succeeding is seen as being that top tier instead of just doing what you want and enjoying mm-hmm. it and expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. For sure, mm-hmm. and that's something that I thought was a really powerful theme in the second season. Is like Retsuko ultimately finds satisfaction in what she is and what she does. You know, Which I have to say for like mm-hmm. a twenty-six-year-old is amazing because at me at twenty-six was nothing like yeah. that. And everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and we all have this exceptionalist kind of view of ourselves. I don't know if it's instilled from, you know, kind of whatever your youth when, you know, you're told to, you can be whatever you want. Like, that's true and that's great and people should be able to do that. But, like, if you don't get to the pinnacle, the very pinnacle of whatever it is you're trying to do, like, you're not worthwhile. Or, like, I think that's very American, but I guess it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... But just living your life in a way that you find fulfilling and finding, like, not just solace, but, like, happiness in that. And purpose is, like, I thought it was a pretty good yeah. theme for that. 
And that's who Rich Go is, you know. Um, should we talk about season three? Yeah. Because I want to be a viral star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I gotta say the the I felt like there was a meaningful tone jump from season one to season two. You know, like when I rewatched season two, it was more or less the way, or season one, it was more or less the way I remembered it. But watching season two for the first time, I felt like, man, like actually, this is like when Retsuko's apartment gets broken into by her mom, uh, and Retsuko's like geeking out about that. I was like, man, this is actually like quite a realistic and pressing type thing. And it's a lot more uh, heavy than season one was and then season three by the time they're idol stars i felt like man we've really drifted away from the kind of realism that we saw in season one and just gone on an entirely different kind of adventure it was fun i guess season two in some ways is like unrealistic as well and so far as you know what are the chances that the dopey guy next to you at the dmv is actually some secretly a giant tech mogul that's going to fly you to hokkaido for some ramen (laughs) on your first day but uh, yeah, season three, I felt like, man, we're we're like really into the nether of of uh, we've moved beyond the existential angst of the everyday office life and into you know the journey of Retsuko and her kind of interesting life. Yeah, I do think the and you guys should should do the explanation, but I thought the first part with her still being sad over the breakup and sort of putting herself obsessively into a video game was was kind of. Great. In some ways, it was awful, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was like it was nice, you know. People do that. You obsess over things that you will never have or never actually think you want. Yeah, yeah. The whole VR sin, sort of dating the dating game. <laughs> yeah. She drops one hundred eighty thousand yen on. Yeah. And <laughs> microtransactions. It's like, it's insane. People do that though. I know. I feel that. I've been playing Genshin Impact. It's getting my money. What's the only what's that other one? <laughs> OnlyFans? Isn't that a big thing? I know it's not a game, but oh, that's people yeah, are spending yeah, money yeah. on that. Well, I'm kinda of the opposite like yeah. I I was just He's blown away by that because Dan, as you know, I'm a big Hearthstone player. I've been playing for over mm-hmm. five years and their whole economy is based on microtransactions and etc. But I'm so frugal with that shit. Like I think I've only spent like three hundred or 400 bucks over five years at most which is not this insignificant is a game he plays like, hours play it, each day not hours each day but i i play it every day pretty much mm-hmm. you know i love hearthstone mm-hmm. and it's just a mobile game it's easy as shit you can just pull it out when you're like i used to smoke cigarettes so i just like play it well i'd smoke a cigarette it's perfect i was but, that way with pokemon go yeah pokemon go was a great yeah. game too and like mm-hmm. but did you spend a ton of money on pokemon go jeff like or uh, there was definitely a period where I started to spend more than I wanted to. Would you get coins? Lucky eggs, probably. Right? Yeah, uh, I, would... I did that too. <laughs> Not too many. Sorry. <laughs> so there would be like a raid or whatever. There were raids, but anyway, like so they have a they would have a special you event. You go to, oh uh, okay. Yeah, and it would be it would correlate with the raid, so I would buy you know I'd spend twenty bucks on coins and then get the eggs and whatever just to like boost my level up. I did that maybe three or four times, and I was like. I think I'm done. Yeah, yeah so not eighteen thousand dollars. <laughs> no, not your whole bank account, pretty much. Yeah, discretionary income is what is how she described it. I'm like, do I have a discretionary income? Hmm. Wait, so she spent one hundred eighty thousand yen. Is that is every yen like a penny essentially? That'd be that'd yes. be one thousand eight hundred dollars, and that's that's yes. a lot of money. And then she yeah. gets in an accident, so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's sort of the, that's the main uh, driving force for this episode or this season. It's just this accident. So she yeah. got she uh, she actually gets her driver's license in the second season, or or like it carries over to the third season, and um, so she has this like thing that like not a lot of people have, mm-hmm. and is able to like take her friends out and like they can they can leave Tokyo if they want. So her and Gori and what's the other one's name? Washimi. Washimi. They all go to like a hot springs and celebrate. Um, but uh, she gets like I forget. Is it because of Tadano that she um, gets no, her she little operation gets house. discovered? She wanted to go to a steakhouse. Yeah. Why did she want to go to that steakhouse? She was just hungry. Just right. wanted a steak. Okay. You know? Yeah. Very. I don't think she had a lot of money. Oh, that's right. Because she lost all her money. Yeah. She was like not eating much. Mm-hmm. And then she like right, had right, some right, money, right. and she was like, "Oh, steak! I want that." <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been there before. Look what it led to. I mean, she goes to a steak place. Something happens. You know, she gets backed she be- up in the yeah. car. But it leads to this, like, amazing... It's a rental car, too. ...thing like in her life, in. you know, which is kind of cool. Yeah, where, what country where do you live in where you rent, you rent a car, you get into an accident, and you have to pay for it? I mean... Did she not have she insurance? Didn't insurance? Yeah. She didn't get the rental insurance? If she didn't get the yeah. insurance. Yeah. Gotcha. You don't get insurance. And I guess she doesn't have insurance that will cover it. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the guy was like, "Do you guys normally get to?" No, but my insurance would cover it. Yeah, I think I'd just assume it's automatic, basically. Actually, yeah, I would get the insurance because I don't have. I'm like not on insurance. Like I don't. Okay, so so that's yeah. Get insurance, but yeah, that makes Hmm. sense. I guess she maybe she didn't have enough money to pay for. And also, she doesn't have a car, so yeah, it makes sense. She doesn't have normal insurance, so she probably didn't. Maybe she didn't even know that like you're supposed to get rental insurance. That's risky. I mean, we've all been there. We've all put the car in reverse accidentally. Yeah. I've definitely done that mm-hmm. in my driveway. <laughs> Two, another in my driveway. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the person that she backs up into is Hyoda. I guess like a cheetah character or a panther or something. I don't know. Uh, the, and the character, I thought initially was a Yakuza person. Mm-hmm. That was my mm-hmm. thought, too. Mm-hmm. He's like, where's my fucking money? He means business. He wants his money. Um, but yeah, it leads, it leads her into a situation where, um, contractually he has to, she has to pay him back. You know, he's, she's in his mm-hmm. debt. She has it's to like a verbal contract though, right? No, he bust out a paper contract. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. But it's not that bad. She's like, oh, he's like, wait, I guess it is kind of bad. I feel like it's like I, I think it was like an informal paper yeah. contract. It wasn't like yeah. legal legal stuff, but it was like him being like, "You need to pay me back, and you're gonna do it yeah. like this." Uh, but because she has her driver's license, she gets to drive uh, his crew of um, almost idol superstars. They want to be, yeah, yeah. They're underground idol group that Kyoto manages, and they're all cute little animals. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I, I think the real the real angle here was that uh, he realized that Kyoto realizes that Retsuko is an accountant, mm-hmm. so he hires. He, he makes this this you know informal contract to avoid the the legal paperwork of having to go through insurance companies and cops and all that stuff. He's just like, man, whatever, just give me two thousand bucks and we'll call it even. And Retsuko is like, okay, that makes sense, but I don't have two thousand bucks. 
and so then Hyoto's like, well, okay, I see that you work as an accountant. I will employ you for my, balance my idol books. group, which needs, yeah, balance the books of my idol group, and the money that you make from that will go towards paying your $2,000 debt to me. And she seems to think that's okay at first, and then she realizes that, wait, actually, this idol group is too underground to actually make any money. So she's doing it all for free, and they don't just need an accountant. What they actually need is, uh, I don't know, a gopher, as they call it. You know, all the little, little idol girls are like, hey, go get me this, go get me that. And they just run Retsuko ragged for a little bit. And she has ideas, though. Like- oh, eventually, yeah. Yeah, she's like, we could make act, we could make a profit. You have these fans, these fanboys that like will do anything if we stop spending too much money yeah. and like have like personalized things with them. Gretzico does come, or Retsuko does come to the table with a lot of really good business ideas after she. I don't know. I guess get some. If I remember right, she gets some inspiration from. Yeah, Gretzico I think you're right about about what it means to kind of dedicate yourself to something and, and the importance of not just going through the motions but actually doing things you know performing with conviction and doing things resolutely so she decides to really apply herself to the idols it comes up with all sorts of successful business ideas and kind of salvages their flailing but operation then... and i, I oh, thought sorry. <laughs> I was I was gonna say that I, I thought their portrayal of idol groups was really interesting and you know idol culture is such a big thing in Japan and yeah that is not a thing at all in the USA and I I guess up to this point I felt like you know not that the show like wasn't that Japanese but in the past we've discussed the idea that some of these Netflix anime shows are targeted towards a Western audience. Mm-hmm. And Agretsuko season one definitely felt that way to me. And season two started to feel a little more like, I guess, uh, perfunctorily Japanese, you know. Mm. But season three, by the time we're dealing with idols, it's like, man, we're really like, you know, there is no Western parallel to that. I think we have those. That is a strictly Japanese. Well, I agree. Those groups, you know. It is not what we have. I think we have idols. I mean, look at who's most followed on social media. You know, it's these mm-hmm. pop idols. Mm. Yeah, but but it's it's different. Yes, it is uh, different. We don't we don't ha- yeah we don't have like the kind the kinds of of business like that shit that is really going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like they they really do have underground yeah. idol groups that like you know you pay. I, you know, pay ten dollars to meet and greet these girls for five seconds and take a picture <laughs> with them. You know, that that is like a thing that people actually do. You know, all the time. There's a huge underground industry based around that that style of of art. Um, yeah, I, I thought their yeah their um, portrayal of it in, in Agretsuko I thought was really interesting and also surprisingly free of judgment and so far as i think from a western perspective there would be some question as to like all right why are we why do you you know what kind of freak is buying you know 300 copies of their cd to get the three second meeting i think people do that with justin uh, bieber coupons i think there are i think that kind of freakish fanning like fan girl boy out it does exist it might not be as big culturally but it does exist Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, but I I think it's I agree I mean, that it, I just want to say like I'd never heard of an idol group before. Like I thought that was unique to the show. I'm like, oh, that's just like you never did. Basically, like a boy band or something. I'd never heard of the term idol group. So to me, it was it is a totally foreign thing, at least well, until I saw hmm. this season. He lives yeah. under a rock. <laughs> kind of. Oh, it, it's definitely portrayed a lot in, in anime, and it's like basically, I want to say it did. If it got started in the eighties, it it was very much um, a different marketable thing. Like, it, and but it's always aimed towards a male audience. That's maybe that's the big difference. There's not it's a like lot a of whole... attractive, smiley girls. And I, I think the last couple of years has seen the rise of alternative idols. Um, I'm thinking specifically of stuff like Baby Metal, mm, yeah. East, right. and Nikro Gnome Idol. And Gretsuko kind of was very sympathetic to that movement, I think, because eventually Gretsuko joined. Well, Gretsuko goes from being. Yes, well. <laughs> it's sort of they, they yeah. tank again, in a way. So Retsuko doesn't really want anyone to find out that she can do all this metal stuff, but because she has this newfound like appreciation for herself, she starts like posting how-to videos on YouTube um, so that people can have also a metal voice and be there, you know, let their aggressions out um, at karaoke. And uh, the Yoda discovers that and like finds out and then employs her to be the star of this idol group who also now does metal version but they'd sort of been like not mm-hmm. like they'd come up and like been popular but then they needed something like they were losing their popularity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he hears her yeah yeah he realizes that Retsuko is a born star mm-hmm. just needs to get on the stage and let it loose and the people uh, it really resonates with their audience, you know. Their audience explodes, and uh, yeah, people really love the metal idol here, mm-hmm. the death voice, you know. Yeah. Even even Ton Ton said so the boss, mm-hmm. uh, Mister Male Pig, Ton discovers that Retsuko is an idol because his daughters become obsessed with their idol group, and they're all trying to mimic Retsuko's death voice. Great. So what's an OTM, girls? You're kidding, right? You're so old. They're the hottest underground idol group right now! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. uh, The weasel, the second in command at work, the weasel, turns out this guy is also coincidentally a huge idol fan. Runs a popular idol blog. And he also does his part to promote Retsuko and finds out that oh my my co-worker is actually this pop idol but it's okay i'll keep it on the down low but also so cool i'm gonna start taking pictures of her at work and like hyping up her <laughs> shit and whatnot. so it starts to blow up a little for her mm-hmm. yeah well she also boosts the social media part of it um there was a social media group but or a website but it was fan made apparently mm-hmm. and yeah, so they had to redo that, and but that see that backfires though. Also, um, Haido is that his name? Yoda or something? No, the Haida. Haida. the hyena flies mm. up because he thinks she's like he's suspicious of what right. she's doing, so he flies up to Hokkaido to follow her. Well, him and Gordy are gonna do it, right? Or was it him and Washimi? 
Well, because um, because he okay. he takes the matchmaking test right. that Gory's app was developed right. by, and it's like you in Red School or right. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, we're suspicious. Why is she going up? Like, why is she flying to go see someone?" And they're at the airport, and Gory's basically like, "I'm not going to follow her onto a plane that's like stalkerish." And Ryder's like, "Well, I'll do it." <laughs> um and so he does but then the show is is sold out or does he get in i think he gets so i I think it's in hokkaido it's sold out he goes to get ramen and randomly runs into tadano and but there is another instance where he goes to see retsuko live and he's just like completely unimpressed and leaves i think that's later though yeah, I think that's later on yeah. in the season. But also, I, I, dude, he should he should just like go say hi to Retsuko it's and weird. be like, "Oh, you did a great job." Yeah, I, I thought his lack of enthusiasm for watching his crush do her thing that she seems really, you know, um, has put a lot of time into. Yeah, it's really good she's at. really devoted to. He flew up yeah, to like, yeah. and that's why he is the worst character. Yeah. And that's why we don't like Haida. <laughs> You oh can't even God. be happy for her. Like, yeah, Jesus. okay. I'll, I'll take that one. Yeah. Uh, Bad Haida. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say the kicker. I don't know if you're going to go here, but the kicker is the manager wants them to play their instruments, right? They they throw, she throws them right. yes, bass, yes. guitar, and drums, and actual guitar. Yeah. They're like, we need to step up our game. We're playing with real instruments now. So then uh, Retsuko asks Haida to teach her how to play bass. He's been sort of seeing this girl, though, at work, a new little dog. <laughs> yeah, and that seems like it's going really well. And I got to tell you, that episode where he has Retsuko come over in the afternoon to learn guitar, then she leaves, and then the dog Inui comes over for dinner for more like a date. Mm-hmm. That shit, like, my anxiety was sky high. <laughs> I was like, Haida... <laughs> Do not blow this shit, and You man. knew he you was going to blow, gonna blow it. I turned off the TV. And he you, blew it. He come blew on. it. He got advice. Yeah, he he got advice it. not to not to do this, like not not to have the second date. How do you how do you have He shouldn't two have dates? had the first date. He should not yeah. have he should not have taught guitar or bass. Well, it, to be honest, he should have done it on a different day. I don't know why he double booked himself. <laughs> <laughs> The situation would have been avoided. Yeah. I think Jody <laughs> just like did one Saturday, one Sunday. Yeah, Jody yeah. called that. She's like, "Oh, it's going to happen on the same day. Watch." Like, yeah, I was like, "This is set up for one of them." <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why he wasn't just like, "Oh, sorry, I'm busy on Saturday. Why don't we get together on Sunday?" Like, because it's Retzi, and whatever she asks, he does. Mm-hmm. I'm having flashbacks yeah. to Sakura Diaries. The <laughs> <laughs> this is another show we we reviewed. Like four episodes ago, maybe. Uh, is that's it good? A whole, Should we watch it? Oh, it's a whole mess. No, hot no, mess. It's no, mess. it's mediocre. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, the reason why it's so bad is because it's mediocre. There's like nothing good or bad yeah. about it, you know. So <laughs> Which you can't is, hate watching. Yeah, well, and but you can't yeah. like like. Hi- well, think about Haida. Think about if you took him and like multiplied his like arrogance. a show about him and his life. Kinda, yeah, oh, and just no. making bad decisions, being indecisive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did so how do we feel about Haida's wishy washiness towards Inui? And I ask that because the show, I think, it is very even is very even keeled 
in its approach to to Hydo's wishy washiness, you know, and and multiple characters, you know, straight up tell you as the audience, like, oh, Hyda is like behaving childishly, but it's not necessarily inappropriate or mean. It's nothing that he needs to apologize for. He just like needs to kind of get his shit together a little bit. Uh, do we agree or disagree with that? I think he sh- he's got to get his shit together. Someone likes him. He doesn't like her. Tell her that. Tell the person he likes he likes her. She's going to say, I don't like you. And then he needs to just move the fuck on. Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of dragging someone else yeah. along. Pulling them along. Yeah. Mm. It's the exact same thing. It's like what Retsy does to him, he's doing to her. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you know, if you're still into somebody, then you should not... Probably not start date someone, start dating someone yeah, else. Yeah, but, I mean, it's been five years, I think he says at one point, that he's been into her. And, like, he's tried. He shot his shot or whatever. He's tried, yeah. in quotes. Yeah, I mean, he could try harder, or he could or just... Or get over it. Get over it, yeah. <laughs> at some point, like... You know, unrequited love, nothing you can do about it, so he's got to move mm-hmm. on. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like, hurting himself in turn, because he's not allowing himself to, like, move on from something, and then, like, be open to he's other things, you know? He's wasting his life. Mm-hmm. Mm. It makes me think of The Office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But Jim and Pam get together. And That's Jim, and Michael, and, um, Holly. Yeah. Or is are you talking about Michael? Because Mike Michael's a lost. <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, it makes you wonder, and I definitely got that vibe from the very beginning. But they're trying to set up some like long play, like relationship arc between Hyda and Retsuko that would you know will they or won't they kind of thing. I hate that mm-hmm. shit. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this culminates <laughs> in his one hundred percent match with Retsuko, which we are then told was actually Tadano going into Gori's program to set that up. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I thought that was kinda cute, but also like kinda weird. Yeah. It but also, weird. it's more it's more cute than weird, uh, in my opinion. I think it's more well, but weird Tadano's than cute. just Tadano's just trying to do a solid for his guy. You know, he like sees that <laughs> he was Haida's dating her failing. and he's going to spend the whole life with him, and now he's like, I've moved on. And by the way, I don't know, just let it yeah, happen. Yeah, because he's an emotionally mature guy, and he like looks at Haida and he's like, Well, this is you know, this guy's like kind of my friend, and he's <laughs> so kinda, just, like manipulating. You know, he's he's like, This guy here. needs some help. Let me. <laughs> I don't know. Him yeah. Out. I, I wish like, my friends would help me out like that, you know? If you guys see the opportunity, help me out. I'm telling you. I feel like it's a tricking it. thing in some ways. Like, he, like he, if he went up and was like, Retsy, like, you know, Haida really likes you. Or not even that, but, like, maybe you should give this guy a chance. He's He seems really great. But I feel like the match, which isn't true, is a bit of a manipulation. See, I actually think it's way weirder if... If uh, Tadano just goes up to Retsuko and is like, by the way, it's weird either way. He shouldn't have done either. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, did he falsify his software to make it? I thought he just like updated it. Yeah, that's what they strongly imply is that he he set it up like that intentionally. And it's Gory's software. It's not even like his. Like he fucked over her. I know that he, (laughs) he altered the code specifically to help out Haida. Yeah. 
That's what they. That's what they imply. Also, how much yeah. do you guys want to eat that ramen in Hokkaido that they're eating? Like, <laughs> oh so my good. god, yes. Yeah, I'm mm. craving. I've been craving ramen yeah. this whole entire day. Mm. Especially now that it's getting colder out. I've been craving ramen since before. I know. Okay. <laughs> good like, ramen. That's the only thing I want. I want to eat out. I want to eat Japanese food because, like, that is not something you can just mm-hmm. order well. Yeah. Um, we gotta we gotta point out the the white elephant in the room. Uh, <laughs> this homage to Perfect Blue, and oh, yeah. this is my favorite part, baby. Yeah. So this, <laughs> so the the person, the antagonist is who's inspire um, aspiring to like damage Retsuko. Uh, I guess it's like a donkey or something. The character, big mu- a big muscle big muscle boy. boy. He's he's the creep, the yeah. unhinged fan, as they call him. Um, yeah, he's basically trying to smear uh, her name, um, and is stalking her, stalking Retsuko. He's trouble, and I keep and I you know I keep going back to Perfect Blue with this. They try to change. They try to change the tone of this season to make it a thriller. The tone it just totally changes, and I guess you make that point, Dan. Right? Mm-hmm. The subtle, the subtle, the subtle change in tone, um, and I don't know if it works. I don't know if I like it a lot, but eh, I didn't think it needed it personally. But it allows it he's allows Ida, sorry, the llama. Okay, I have to. Damn, look it he's up. awfully aggressive for a llama. <laughs> um, are spit. you kidding me? Llamas yeah, are aggressive. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're sassy and aggressive. Uh, oh, okay, he's more than sassy that. though. Yeah, yeah, he like, like he's ready. To- don't he's like gonna mamas. fucking like stab her. Yeah, yeah. He's he gonna. does, doesn't he? Mm-mm. He doesn't actually ever. He gets. Um, I thought there was some blood. C- cuts Hida in the yeah, hand. Yeah, exactly. That's who. Yeah. It is. Just Hida. Okay. Yeah. Hida is able to. Hida is able to save the day. He's a superhero in this. This scene. <laughs> yeah, the one thing he'd actually yeah, do. Yeah, his creepiness, stalkerishness paid <laughs> off for once because he was lurking in the shadows right as she was about to get attacked. He's like, oh, yeah. shit, this is, like, my chance. Stalker versus other stalker. <laughs> his eighth chance. This yeah, is I, he's like, my, this is my eighth chance. I'm going to make it work this pretty, time. I didn't I didn't really get Inu, Inui's angle when she... So she shows up and bandages Haida's hand, and Haida takes that opportunity to kind of apologize for being so emotionally vague and, and indecisive, and she basically dumps him. At that no, point. she said, like, you need to tell me, are you actually into me? Or you can't, don't, do not lead me on. If you're more into Retsuko, uh-huh. you need to let me know now because this isn't fair. I thought, I thought she said that on, on the train. And then she dumps him when he jumps out to save Retsuko. And he's like, oh, I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking. I was well, just maybe he made his decision then. She's, mm. Yeah. But I, I guess I didn't view... Uh, the whole thing was just like on the one hand I understood what they were trying to communicate but on the other hand like or, I don't understand why she was kind of blaming him for saving Retsuko like well, is he supposed to be like oh actually I'm in love with Inui therefore I will not save Retsuko at this moment wasn't you know? he like, with <laughs> Retsuko or did he happen wasn't he like brooding or something like there happened to be a reason I think that he like, was he was worried about her he was 
I think but he was aware of well, the stalker he had, situation he was, he, and, and yeah, he, about he knew it. about the stalker, the stalker, and he knew like that this person had been posting like uh, yeah. shots of her apartment mm. and like, where Very she's cool. like getting off of work and getting off of the train. And yeah. stuff but I thought like at that. the end, so, like, I thought Fenico put him onto it though. You know, like, yeah. He's like, check it out. Like this, there's this picture of Retsy on the fucking. Um, social media that they use or whatever and he's like oh my god that's mm-hmm. like our office building so he's like I gotta check on yeah. her but I thought he also like she said after you know he was there she said who do you I thought that's when she gave him the decision yeah. and he cho- chose let's go hmm. I don't think she was like why the fuck did you save her life I think she was like <laughs> <laughs> well, after she after she found the handkerchief on this toilet seat, you know, she like already knew, and then she was just like, you know what, you need to just be honest yeah. with yourself and everyone yeah. in this situation. Womp womp. I would have I would have dated Inui. Yeah, she was. Inui's cool. She was nice and yeah. fun and very cool. Big fan girl. Yeah, she tried to make a move. While he's playing the bass. Mm-hmm. Like, no one tries to make a move anywhere in this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he backs off. He's, he's like, eh. He's, he's like, I've never, I've never experienced this I, before. Yeah. This way. I found that so relatable because I have found every fucking strategy imaginable to avoid physically interacting with people like that. You know? <laughs> I, I was like, hi to... Wait, but you just said you would avoid. date her. So, like... Yeah, I, I know uh, that's what I say, but in reality, well, we talked about this a lot on on this podcast. In reality, when people express an interest in me, I tend to just go running. No, for the thank hills. you. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, going going back to the guitar part, I had, I could really relate to learning guitar and having to play the F chord. <laughs> this is a bar chord <laughs> and just like he calls it the the uh she calls it the wall or like the um the unbreakable wall of just putting your yeah. your pointer finger across all the strings and just trying yeah. to get the strings i relate that yeah. too yeah. i i have i when my youth i um won a guitar at this like local guitar shop and like it came with lessons and so i was like ooh, i'm gonna learn guitar now no it's fucking hard dude <laughs> like no, my brain is not wired for doing two different things with like each hand. Like no. Yeah, I also view guitar as a Im- impossibility for me. <laughs> it's an impossible feat for me. <laughs> I play it as a hobbyist somewhat. I mean, I could play, but like, I'm not very good. Like bar chords were the first thing that I thought was difficult. I remember, like trying to roll my finger back and get the all the notes to sound. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. You think mm-hmm. all the fine finger dexterity of drums has made you better at guitar? Because mm. your your style of drumming is a bit more like finger, you know, correct technique finger than mine, where I'm like full arm all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think being experienced in any instrument kind of lends itself to you know making you better at another one, just because you understand like what you want to do. It's like you know what the end is, and you know that there's some like the things you have to pay attention to to get. I played the piano for two years and I played the trombone for six years and I pretty much pretended to play the entire time. (laughs) Oh, I played saxophone. Oh, cool. I could do that. 
Wind instruments, I'm good with. <laughs> you suck on that reed. I thought that was so cool. Those kids with the reeds, yeah. and they'd just be like getting them like ready. <laughs> oh I yeah. Like, <laughs> I was that girl. I, I was that girl. Uh, the only thing I had was like a fucking <laughs> spit thing, like spit valve, which was awesome. <laughs> but still. <laughs> oh, I hated cleaning out um, our spit valves in our in, in like my saxophone. It's so disgusting. <laughs> I like, definitely never cleaned mine. <laughs> <laughs> Has dried spit from oh, yeah. Did you years look? ago, and then I gave it to my cousin. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I think this uh, third season is my favorite. It's, season. it's fun. It's really fun. I agree with that. I like idol culture. Yeah. Like that, just like interests me. Like oh, then they took the perfect blue route. Now it's just like in it. <laughs> like, I was. That's what I'm saying. Like the OST too. Like just having. It's own music and, like, developing that new... St- I mean, I guess, like, there's baby metal and stuff, but, like, it's still cool how they, mm-hmm. you know, they took, like, a typical sound, like, pop sound, then added Retzko's vocals and... The death voice. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I like that part. I was fascinated by the Llama guy's rant about how awful Gretzko was for the idol group and not not i was not fascinated by that because i cared what he had to say really like uh and i get that it's like this is you know this was a bad thing and that guy sucks and is creepy and whatnot but i was more fascinated with retsuko for the first time facing a negative reaction or her expression which is something that i often think about and I think is is a kind of unspoken part of you know doing creative things and and putting creative expressions out into the world you know as much as you will find people that like what it is you're doing and and what you're doing resonates with them you know you're equally likely to find people that really don't like what you're doing and for whatever reason they just feel compelled to tell you all about how much it sucks and i you know certainly i encounter that with my own bands i mean every step of the way in every band i've ever been in there's plenty of people that are just like oh that sucks that's really stupid you know this is garbage what a fucking dumbass guy what a fucking asshole blah 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 you know and i'm i'm so i'm used to the idea that like you know if you have resolve and you have conviction you know belief in what you're doing uh, you just keep doing it regardless of the feedback, whether it's good or bad, you know, because it's about you and it's about, you know, your uh, process and your, um, you know, you're doing these things because just the process itself is fulfilling. Um, and Retsuko takes all this negative, you know, f- discovers this negative feedback for the first time and is suddenly confronted with the idea that actually like as much as people enjoy what she does there are plenty of people that don't enjoy what she does and that seems to have a meaningful effect on her uh she really doesn't like the idea of of garnering this kind of negative attention and and kind of starts to withdraw from the group because she uh can't take the the pushback it's a really good point i didn't think about how like she was so sheltered and like nervous about the fact that this was her outlet. And then when she finally did get discovered or exposed by like, um, uh, Wasabi, uh, Shimi and, um, why can't I? Thank Corey. you. They like were in support of it. And then, you know, when the other mm-hmm. people found it, like, you know, and in season three, they were like, oh, well, let's add you. Like, this is great. Like, she never had a negative review. 
until she got almost famous in a way or viral, you know, it did. And then she was exposed to what she was afraid of. Yeah. Yeah, she does the one show, the one big rock show, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah, she couldn't take the heat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, her protectiveness of her hobby and her outlet, I also think is, like, not exactly weird, but she should just tell her friends that, like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Come to my gig, you know? Like, I think it's when she's friends. most vulnerable, though. I don't think, and maybe I'm wrong, but to mm. me, it's not about, yes, it's her hobby. Yes, it's her expression. She loves it. But it's also when she is just insanely vulnerable and when she can let go and let, you know, all her emotions out and how she feels. So mm. to express that to everyone is just like bearing her soul to them. Maybe it's also, you know, she wants to separate her personal life from her work life to the point that she doesn't want to let... And maybe it's uh, just how office culture works. It's like, I don't want to be judged, yeah, and, you know, by my coworkers because it's something I enjoy. Yeah, and and office culture was actually a, a topic that I, I really wanted to dig into, uh, and I, I I don't necessarily want to single you out, Jody, but you know you are the other. You know, I am curious about your specific opinion. Uh, because, as I mentioned earlier, I was shocked by the volume of people in my life, you know, the volume of professional women in my life that all seem to champion season one of Agretzico and find that so immediately relatable. You know, whether that's my actual coworkers, whether that's Morgan and, and other women I've been involved with, you know, across the board, this seemed to really resonate with people. And on the one hand, that seems intuitive and obvious because it's a great show that speaks directly to the um, experiences of women in a professional office setting. But on the other hand, I'm curious if you had any, I don't know, any other thoughts or feelings on this or if there was something that really stood out to you as like that was that was the thing that really clicked with me or that was the moment that really, you know, everything felt uh, put into place for me. So I guess for me, it's like every woman, and I, I really think every woman has experienced in any workplace they've been in some sort of misogyny. Like, I, I just think it happens. It's innate. People don't, even if they're not trying to do it, it happens. And there are comments, there are something, like, you just, it sucks. And, and I wish it didn't exist. And I have to say, there's so a difference between having a female boss and a male boss and, and not, and not always the same. Like, like on average, there's a big difference. There are exceptions a hundred percent. Um, I'm really fortunate right now to have bosses. And I have to say one is a political appointee who I adore. We know we disagree completely politically, but we still get along as humans, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel, and I also am like, I mean, you probably observed from the last two and a half hours that I like speak my mind and don't shut up. So um, I have, I, (laughs) sorry. So I, I can talk to them. I feel like I, they're comfortable enough and, and, and good enough bosses that we can like, I can talk to them about feelings and how I think. Sorry. So I think 
like in my workplace, yes, I've experienced that. Yes, as a woman, but I also think maybe not as specifically right now because of who my bosses are, fortunately. Mm. Um, but every workplace and, 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 and everyone, and there's, there's still circumstances where I think, you know, my bosses wouldn't think that if they were women, you know, there are, Mm. there are always circumstances where you think that's people just don't understand um, or see it, uh, and, and and it was it was familiar. It's familiar in the seeing down or thinking differently because you're a woman, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe being like lower on the totem pole, being assigned more work, which is for me. I mean, like I like work, but I I also don't think I would ever accept someone else's work if they told me to do that. Um, <laughs> but i'm a little different i i took this class in grad school that it was a negotiations class and it was one of the best classes Hmm. i took because it really told me or showed me that like if you speak up if you ask you know if you ask questions and you and you have someone that listens and you or you find someone who listens eventually then it you can have a discussion. If you don't have that, then you, you know, you move on. But, um, mm-hmm. I, 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 it's relatable. And I think it's relatable to all women. Just like there was that video, that viral video of that woman walking through the streets where men were just saying smile, which is mm-hmm. so relatable, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The amount of times I've heard smile when I was working at Starbucks made me. Yeah. Want it's to awful. Comment. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, go Anyway. Um, so it's, it's there, but it's not, it, I think it really depends on your work culture and, and, and speaking up, but always, a lot of times your work culture isn't that way. Um, Hmm. I think I'm really fortunate right now to have a work culture that they know that I will speak my mind. Um, but there are some people, there are some people in my work who are not like that and will speak their mind. And I, do not like and avoid like the plague. Mm. And that's my reaction is mm. if someone's going to be like that, I'm going to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's relatable. Mm. I think for all women, unfortunately. Yeah. So we, we think what, what makes this so instantly appealing to this, uh, yeah, to the various women in my life is the, the hyper, accurate portrayal of workplace sexism that is a near universal experience for so many women. Even if it's not explicitly like a a hit on someone or a a term, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And I also think beyond that, there's a relatability with people who work really hard but aren't acknowledged. Hmm. It's not even, you know, it's, it's either gender. Yeah, like the existential aspect of being an office worker. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's a, a more uh, universal mm-hmm. in that way, or like, yeah, applies both to men and women uh, more equally. And and as we talk about how fortunate we are um, for our office situations, uh, I also feel incredibly fortunate to have uh, work in an office in a professional setting where everyone is you know, around a similar age group and disposition as myself, you know, we're all, uh, 
in a broad sense, we're all people in our 20s and 30s that uh, are like left-leaning to whatever degree. And that just makes it, yeah, so much easier to get along. You know, I like stuff like Retsuko lying in bed feeling like, oh, I don't want to go to work. It's like, eh, I actually like don't mind going to work. You know, I feel relatively ambivalent about it. Like, it'd be cool if I could go in at noon, you know, yes. and, like sleep yes. in. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm happy to be there because I genuinely enjoy seeing all my coworkers and hanging out with everyone, you know. Um, and yeah, our office culture is relaxed enough. You know, I can tell uh, my coworkers like, yeah, I'm going to be a bit late with my reviews because I'm going to a protest, you know, and they're all like, oh, have a good time. Do well out there. Stay safe, you know. Uh, yeah. And I, I also think as you as you talk about Jody, you know, my boss is a woman and the vast majority. It's not vast majority, but majority of my coworkers are women. And I never really thought about how my experience would be different if I was working under the men in my office and uh, had more men coworkers. Um, yeah. Would that make my work experience different? Supposedly it would because uh, some of my friends, acquaintances at work have related their experiences to me in our office place that seem so dramatically different than my own and than the uh, experiences of, of my immediate coworkers. Um, but in other ways, yeah, I'm not sure. And maybe that's also because they, I, I'm not saying all men bosses are like that or male bosses, but there's, you mm -hmm. know, like recently for us with the pandemic, they're starting to call us back and oh, that's kind of yeah, it's up, absolutely ridiculous. There's no reason when we have like rolled out these programs we've done, we've proven that we are have worked just as hard, if not harder, during a pandemic at home remotely than before. And part of mm -hmm. me feels like, you know, because we have, I have two bosses, and then there's four divisions, and they're all women bosses. And all those women have explicitly expressed that there's, like, no reason that we need to come back. And it just, that to me is, like, a difference, you know? Like, they actually mm -hmm. maybe listen a little more than just decide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I also, as we think about Retsuko relating to her coworkers and keeping so much under wraps and kind of hidden from Haida, from Fenico, uh, I am relatively the opposite. Not that I go around like telling my coworkers, by the way, I play in a band called Anal Butt, you know. But <laughs> if, uh, you know, if I am going, like, if I take vacation time and they're like, oh, what are you doing? I don't. I, I have no qualms with being like, oh, I'm going on tour with my band. We're like touring the West Coast with this other band. It's going to be great. You know, thinking a lot of my coworkers have at least some degree of, of visibility into my life like that. And I, yeah, I've never thought that, you know, the various things I do outside of work, I mean, I understand there's a degree, you know, I understand that you don't want to overshare, but I don't see any reason why I, I would be like hidden, you know? It's a personality. I mean, Sorry, Sean, to call you out, but like you don't tell your family or your work much of anything. Yeah, if you go. Yeah, Morgan's the same way. Morgan also is like you know, if somebody asks me what I do on the weekend, I say I read a book. That's it. You know, I don't, get, <laughs> I don't like, give any it other was a answers. Good weekend. Yeah, and it's like man, like somebody asked me what I do for the weekend, what I did on the weekend, I like literally just tell them what I did. You know. Yeah, yeah. literally me though. <laughs> Which one? 
Uh, I will tell you anything if you ask yeah, me. No, I'm, like, I'm the same way. <laughs> also, if I'm upset, you can probably tell. I'll probably tell you why. <laughs> and, you know, if I'm excited about something, I'll, you can tell and I'll tell you why. Is that only when people ask you, though, or do you offer that, like... I mean, if it comes up in conversation, I'm definitely, I'm not going to not say it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I agree with that. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, that's true. Like if somebody asks you genuinely, like, and it's like, what are your interests? Like, what are you into? Mm -hmm. Then a lot of people are more forthcoming. But if it's just, you know, Retsko, does she ever have anyone ask her about her personal life that much? Or like, you know, everyone just kind of takes her. Yeah, I guess so. I don't, I don't remember. Arms like asking. Well, that's the difference yeah, between having yeah. a, having coworkers as friends and just sort of there, there's acquaintances like Washimi and Gora, um, Gori Gora. are her close friends are like the closest friends she has. Um, so and they know he, they know her secrets. Right. So you so oh, yeah. tell them yeah. how you feel and all the minute details of your life. And I personally don't have. I have like maybe a couple people at work that. I, I can express that too, but yeah. Otherwise, you're just kind of quick to the point. And when it comes to anime, uh, I, I don't really put that out in the open. <laughs> oh no, I'm I, I'm opposite. I'm opposite. So uh, I would <laughs> if if you were new, if I didn't know you, like first day on the job, I'm training you, whatever. My first question is what what anime do you like? Because like, <laughs> like, this isn't going anywhere. Like we can't talk about anime. Like yeah, I was. I, it's I was too involved in my life for me to not be able the to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So which anime do you like? Is is <laughs> the answer that you're going to give mm. me? I was I was also just emailing back and forth with one of my coworkers about what anime we're watching right now. Yeah. I was even like on a job like uh I applied for this job through a job recruiting agency and the recruiter like was talking to me about anime. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's just like I just exude the anime. Like, what if weirdness. they say, "Oh, I don't like anime." <laughs> We're done. <laughs> it's over. We're strictly on a you do this thing. I'm telling you to do the thing, and you go do it, and then report back, and that's it. <laughs> it's a very dry shift. <laughs> yeah, as we as we think about. Sean, is it? What if they say we're only into hentai? <laughs> oh, even, even better. better. <laughs> even better. <laughs> cultured, cultured people. So I, I was, I was thinking, Sean, about your point that nobody really asks Retsuko directly about her personal life at work. Uh, I, that's a really good point, and I, yeah, when you say it like that, I guess Haida really has kind of categorically failed in that regard because he yeah. keeps asking Wait, Retsuko to hang out. Sort and, of asks. Benico does, yeah. Haida, yeah. Haida kind of, yeah. I guess I never. Maybe, maybe Haida's not as cool as I thought he was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's not as cool. Mm-mm. I mean, he's cool. He's but only he's not worried as about cool. himself. He's only worried about himself. But also, yeah, but yeah, himself. but also to his defense, and he obsession. to to his defense, he also has like he understands based on the end of season one that he's in love with the idea of Retsuko rather than the real Retsuko and he needs to make more of an effort to get to know her you know on, on a better basis yeah effort. and then he just doesn't really do it so he, he like is he has the right idea but just lacks the follow-through because of his own kind of emotional cowardice and indecisiveness which is really just a sign of immaturity in this context right mm-hmm. um 
And I guess it's... I think he puts her up on a pedestal too much. And I think he's afraid of, like, what she's actually going to be like in real life instead of, like, what his idea of her and their relationship is. He's, like, thought about their relationship too much for mm. him to, like, pull the trigger because he's so afraid that, like, it's going to be different. It's not going to be what he was expecting. Mm. That's what I... Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I just think... Yeah. I No, I agree. And I think he's just... He, yeah, he doesn't want to actually embrace the real relationship. He mm-hmm. likes, he almost likes this idea of this obsession. Mm-hmm. It's what he knows. Yeah. I was also thinking about, you know, responding to your coworkers, asking you questions versus volunteering this information. And one of the, along those lines, one of the things that shocked me about moving and starting to work remote is realizing how much time I spend every day just talking to my coworkers, and I'm confident that they must be like it is it is usual for me to just pop into one of my coworkers' cubes and sit down and just start talking with them about whatever for like two hours and completely sidetrack whatever oh the fuck God. they were doing. I'm like, I am that person and I do it all the time. And yeah, you know, my average like what is my average work day like? Like, well, I go sit in Kara's cube and talk to her for a while, then go over to Kayla's cube, talk to her for a while, then go over to Kirsten, talk to her for a while, work for about an hour, go to the gym, you know, go home and uh, you know, and I it's it's tough working from home. I'm like, wait, now I don't have anybody to talk to. You're like, not got to actually do my yeah. work, man. That's funny. I, like, avoid talking to people um, but when I was at work. And then my bosses would come in. I talked to them, and that was, you know, great. But otherwise, I'd be like... You talk to your bosses? Oh, well, so, okay, so it's, I think it's kind of different for me. Yeah, I I do everything I can to avoid any interaction with someone with authority over. Oh, I really like my bosses, and and we, like, shoot the shit. Like, I told my bosses, so we have, like, at USDA, there's, like, the South Building, and then there's an an arch, like, a bridge to go over to the Witten Building, Mm -hmm. where all the politicals are, and it's right near our offices. And there's a men's bathroom right near, like, it's, like, me, my boss, who's a political, and then my other boss, who's not a political, but is, like, high up. Mm -hmm. They're all, like, SESs, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a men's bathroom right there, but the women's, you know, is, like, really far, so I would cross to the Witten building to, like, take a shit because no one would be there. (laughs) And so I kind of, like, told my boss this, and he was like, that was the best advice you ever gave me. (laughs) And then I told him about this thing I read on the internet that was, like, someone had said the best thing I've ever done, because he told me that, I guess, the stalls are really high, so, like, you can tell who's in there. Mm -hmm. And he was like, and the thing I read was, like, the best thing I ever did was to work, bring some shit in shoes, which was like basically the guy just changes his <laughs> shoes when he goes to shit, so no one can identify. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. So like that's the kind of conversation. Like we have actual conversations, like work conversations, but like we can, you yeah. know, it's just like, hmm. yeah. So no, so it's it's nothing. I I get along with them fabulously. Like I love them. I love working with them and for them. Yeah. Um, I I also, yeah, so yeah, I love my boss. I told my boss that if she moved to another um, part of the BLS, there was a point where there was a question whether she would move to another part of the BLS. And I told her I would follow her to another part of the BLS. I didn't want to work under anybody else but her. Um, I, I really value her, but also bosses are the enemy. And I like... <laughs> 
don't, you know, I like don't want to. It's nerve wracking to talk to someone you know, from management. And like, yeah, I same, guess I like, just don't see my bosses that way. Yeah, well, I'm too sucked into the class war, man. You know, like bosses. Yeah, like I love my bosses and I have a lot of respect for them. I wouldn't want to work under anyone else. And this maybe this is just the uh, the what I'm talking about the kind of the simultaneous like you can we can be friends on a personal level but enemies on a theoretical level as we talk about police and Trumpers and whatnot and like works for the works for the bosses too like bosses are the enemy but actually I'm like quite close with my enemies and I think they're very really cool and I, I like like them a lot frenemies yeah they're my, so how can my they, frenemies yeah they're not even enemies at that yeah no I love my bosses and and. One of them is a Trump political appointee, and I adore him. Mm-hmm. Not for long, he's not. <laughs> yeah, but I still hope to keep in touch with him, because as a person, he's great. He is. I've met him. He's a really yeah. nice guy. That's, uh, anyway. Hold it. Um, yeah, so uh, let's, rate, let's rate this last season, since it just, well, it's the latest season, obviously. What, uh, what order would you guys put these in? Favorite favorite season to least favorite. Mm, third, second, first. Hmm. Working my way down. The first one I felt like the first season I felt like was more like the pilot, mm-hmm. and they were like trying to figure out like what they were going to be, and mm-hmm. then the second season was like more about Retzko and like her journey, and then even more so in in the third season. Can I be, like, all cool and be like, there wasn't a season I didn't dislike, mm-hmm. but there were episodes I liked the most. Mm. And they were basically just all the ones with the music. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, uh, well, I'm going to agree with Amelia. I think just right down the, from top to bottom. I think it's getting better every time. You mm-hmm. know? And... I'm more excited it. about each um, each season. Are the, yeah, are, the, are there going to oh, be yeah. more seasons? Well, I think so. I think, so, I, I think they're they're gonna have to capitalize it. I mean, you can buy Resco shit at Target. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Maybe we should. No, make we should not go to Target. <laughs> make a trip There's to a Target. pandemic, guys. <laughs> I want a little plushie or something. Yeah. Set so keychains. Because I'm an accountant. Should we get it on their Amazon accounts? I could get a little Resco account. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My, Actually. Amelia's so gonna bust something out on the boy. camera. She's showing us her newest tattoo. No. <laughs> okay. So I went to the comic book shop and I got uh, like blind box Retzko. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, I love I got, blind box yeah, shit. Yeah. I got Retzko with a mic a and she's like screaming, but like I also got this one. A little Tom. Yeah. 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 I'm jealous. I'm a little envious. Yeah, I love those things. It's fun. So I'm I'm gonna switch up our ranking trend a little bit. I'm actually gonna say that season one is my favorite, and then season three gets number two, and season two gets uh, third place. And it is not that I disliked any like overall. I would rate the show, you know, ten death voices out of ten. You know, like I, I really do think it's amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. what I particularly liked about season one and why i prefer it over the other two is kind of the uh the same reason why everybody else seems to like season three the most rather than season one i like that season one is the most caught up in kind of the daily existential despair and that this is the most i guess not exactly bland but the most universal 
in that regard. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is Gretzko at its strongest. And I think its strongest themes are those kinds of universal themes. And the more we get placed onto her individual plot, the more those themes start to feel, I don't know, like less, not exactly less obvious, but like less targeted, I guess. Um, but I feel like I like season one the least because I've never worked in that kind of office situation hmm. setting at all. So like, I can only imagine like the stuff that she's going through. Like I, I haven't really had to deal with any of that stuff, but I am super into like idol. So <laughs> yeah. That's and, why. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's way season three is way more anime than season one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why season three gets second place for me, mm-hmm. a strong second mm-hmm. place. Cause season three is legitimately quite entertaining and, you know, fulfilling I, you on know, its own. When, if I had to do it, I would say one and three are tied for me and two is least. Mm-hmm. So. What about you, Jeff? Yeah. I like season I like I do like that point and season one is sort of uh, the monotony and sort of you know like just the, the the day in day out slice of life kind of stuff I I enjoy um, so I guess season one would be at first I initially didn't like it though honestly I I didn't really, really? see the the craze or like what the like why people were into it but then by then maybe the second or third season I was I was sold on it but um. Yeah, yeah, I think for all the reasons that um, season three work, you can find that in other anime shows, I guess. And and it's kind of funny because when yeah. I watched it in I watched it in English too for a lot for a while, and um, I kind of forgot I was watching an actual anime. <laughs> it kind of it's like Puka, you know, like if you guys have seen Puka. Mm, Not familiar. No, with but it. I'm gonna write that Puka? down right now. Yeah, it's also yeah Puka. <laughs> It's a show about ninjas, okay. but it's like kind of it's kind of like Sanrio style. But I think it's like uh, I forget the I forget the company who makes it, but um, it's kind of the same thing. Okay. Personally, I would I would I would argue that Gretzuko is an adult cartoon more so than it is an anime. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. Oh, it's made in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Japan can make cartoons too. Name one. Gretzuko? <laughs> Name a second one. <laughs> Name a second one. <laughs> uh, Shin-chan? Hmm. Yeah. Miyazaki. Hmm. Oh, this is a whole... It's this, cartoonish. This is a whole... We don't want to yeah, go down this rabbit hole. That can of ro- we don't want to get into them <laughs> can of worms. Yeah, these, this, these kinds of conversations start fires. Yeah. Forest fires. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think we should wrap up this episode. Um, thanks for coming on, both of you. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having, having us. Yeah. Yes, this was lovely. Thank you guys so much for listening and being here. We super appreciate every single one of you that listens to our podcast every week. Join our Discord to continue the conversation and get notified when we upload new episodes. Or if you just want to hang out and chat about anime, the invite link should be in the description of whatever platform you're listening to this on, as well as in our link tree of our Instagram at Otaku Post Club or on our website www.otakupostclub.com. We also have a voicemail box set up in case you want to call in, leave us a message, ask a question, talk about anime, let us know how your day is going. 
and we'll play it on the next episode. The number for that is 240-324-8295. And if you like our content, it would be super awesome if you went over to Apple Podcasts and left us a review. It's super helpful for us to get the word out. And if you do, we'll read it on air. And with that, we'll see you in the next episode.